Free Talk Live. It's your show. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI line. Give us a call. Hijack the show. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Right now we've got uh, Ian piping in our guest here. Yep, you yep, got him? I got him. I got him. Excellent. And we'll get to him here shortly. 800-259-9231 is the number. If you have questions for Ernie Hancock from uh, freedomsphoenix.com. We've got a nice little partnership with uh, Freedoms Phoenix. They do a little advertising for Free Talk Live. We do a little advertising for them and bring our listeners and their readers together and expand the uh, expand the purview of both it's, of our entities. It's a great website, and um, you get lots of freedom-oriented news there. So, uh, actually, we met uh, with Ernie over the weekend, and he's on with us now. Ernie, are you there? I am here. Hello. Do, do you <laughs> prefer Ernie or Ernest? I don't care. Ernie's okay. my friend. Ernest, when I'm... Writing it down on some, uh, you know, political thing. Got it. <laughs> so, Ernie, you were at the uh, the 2010 Liberty Forum over the weekend, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, uh, we, we weren't able to get you on the air live from the forum in studio, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. So, here you are now. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, you had a lot of goodies. You always get me. You got all kinds of goodies there, so I, you know, I didn't have a problem with that. It's not like I, I don't get enough hair time. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you actually host two uh, two radio shows. Is that right? Yeah, I have a morning show on the RBN Network, on Republic Broadcasting Network, and an afternoon show on Liberty News Radio. And I'm on in probably, I don't know, five, six, seven states, and it's growing. So we... You know, between you guys, me, and a lot of others, I mean, uh, something that was a barren wasteland of just, uh, I don't know, crap radio, we got some good stuff coming out there. And with the Internet, a lot of people are able to get access to this information. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, uh, of course, about your radio shows, uh, or at least one of them, I want to get on the uh, the Liberty Radio Network. So I know that we talked about that over the weekend, and we'll, we'll be moving forward that uh, behind the scenes. So for all of our listeners that are enjoying the Liberty Radio Network, that uh, they'll have to look forward to, that they'll be able to hear uh, Ernest Hancock's show. So, uh, Ernie, you know, there was something I wanted to talk to you about this weekend, and since I've got you here now, uh, we'll have the conversation on the air, because I happen happen to be a big fan of what I've seen from Freedoms Phoenix. I mean, not just the fact that it's a great news-oriented website where you can get some really great liberty-oriented news uh, news stories and stuff like that, videos, etc., but uh, you've got this activist network there in the Phoenix area that I think is a real model, uh, from what I've seen of it at least. It seems to be something that I think that activists around the country uh, can look toward uh, to hopefully duplicate, to emulate at least uh, some a portion of or all of what uh, what it is that you're doing there. Can you tell tell our listeners a little bit about what you have set up there in uh, in the Phoenix area? Well, um, I'm. Uh, Freedom's Phoenix Workshop, <clears throat> what we've done is I've been a uh, libertarian activist since I was a young man back in, um, oh, since 88, my wife and I started doing stuff. And once you learn the truth, it's kind of hard to unlearn the truth. And you use a lot of different methods and ways to uh, express yourself and, and get people informed about a lot of different things. And I remember being a young man in the early 90s going, man, if we had a printing press, man, if we had you know, video studio, and if we had the ability to talk radio, if we had uh, sign production, if we, if we, if we. Well, what we did over the years is we kept accumulating equipment and being successful, and people would donate money and resources. And now we have 
a full-fledged uh, printing press, cutting, uh, folding capability. We have a six-head silk screen for making T-shirts and a bare dryer and all that stuff. And, you know, thousands of dollars worth of blank shirts. Whenever we just need 10, 20 shirts for something, boom, within a couple of hours, we're there. Yeehaw, we're hmm. ready for y'all. Then we have a video studio. We have a fully equipped radio studio. We have... Uh, sign production. We're making hundreds of signs. Right now, they're out there making signs, staring at me, going, hey, why are you sitting on your butt? And they're <laughs> making signs. Going, uh, we're going up the searchlight when a two-party express is coming through uh, between Laughlin and Las Vegas, out in the middle of the desert there. They're going to do their woo-hoo thing, and we got all kinds of love, not war signs. Then we have um, uh, video production, a bunch of computers, and, and all of this has just been accumulated so that individuals can do what they want. And it's, I mean, any issue, I mean, pick it. I mean, there's just so many different issues. I don't even know half the stuff that goes on here. I come in, do my morning and afternoon shows. I got three hours in between that you know, I get the stuff ready and do. And then uh, my wife's down here a lot. Some of my kids are down here. Uh, we have uh, all these young people that are down kicking butt today. And last week we have this big immigration battle that they're doing in the name of immigration. They're going to do national ID cards. That become a, a big thing. It's big in the media right now. They're calling me a domestic terrorist because we we got that bill killed last week, and they keep trying to resurrect it. And so we're in a battle with these guys that are trying to pass legislation that would insulate all law enforcement from pulling anybody over, running your name, doing anything they want, as long as they do it in the name of determining your uh, immigration status. So we're going, wow, this is, man, this is like Nazi Germany stuff. So this is what we do. We are able to immediately, quickly, to determine the threat, what the problem is, and then, bam, we hit it. And uh, that makes us dangerous to the bad guys because they like operating in the dark. Hey, Ernie, how come they haven't raided your uh, your facility yet? I mean, has that ever happened? No, but they, it's because I, I know these guys. I mean, I run for political office every election cycle since 1990. I've run for Secretary of State twice. twice I mean, wait, you're, you're dealing with... You're dealing with one of the th- most thuggish, uh, thuggish sheriffs in America, Joe Arpaio, if I'm not mistaken. That's the that's where you are, right? Yeah, no, he and I know each other personally. He knows that I know he's the most dangerous guy in the state, and he's glad that I know it. It makes him feel comfortable and warm and all fuzzy that I know he's a bad, dangerous guy. So he's good. <laughs> he's like, hey, I got it. It's all right. Ernie knows. And I go, look, I, I know Joe. You know, he and I talk on a regular basis. He he knows that I think that he is, man, he is a, a good poster child for what I do. So a lot of people say, well, you need to get rid of Joe Arpaio. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's a poster child for all that's wrong here. Well, what, what do I want? I want a, a good guy holding up bad laws. I want a bad guy holding up bad laws. Hmm. So this, he makes my job so much easier. I guess it's it's uh, it's heartening and encouraging that somebody like you, a a radical, liberty-minded person with sig- what apparently is significant capital, and I want to get into how much this is costing to uh, to operate. I like principled better than radical. Did I say radical? Yeah, radical is oh. easy to write a radical yeah. off. Principled, uh, liberty-minded person uh, there in the in. I'm a principled radical. 
See, he accepted. Yeah, I understand you accepted, Ernie. I just think that it's easy for people to, that, that, you know, they're sort of on the periphery. They're just kind of listening to say, oh, well, a radical, I don't have to listen to them. They're radical. I just think it's encouraging that uh, you have been there and operating publicly for so long and doing what you are doing uh, at the level that you're doing it and that you actually haven't had uh, some sort of false pretext uh, police raid and uh, them setting fire to your facilities or something like that. I think that really bodes well uh, for people out there duplicating what you're doing, because if if you can do it under uh, old Sheriff Joe's watch, then uh, anybody should be able to do it. You know, the reason is because I have been doing this a long time, and if you're going to be on a list, this is the one thing that I, a lot of people, they try and be kind of clandestine about their stuff and so on, and then when they they get you, you know, they're going to take advantage of you. And what I've understood from the beginning is, um, because my definition of radical is, you know, the traditional definition is you strike at the root. I mean, that's what radical means. You're going at the root, you know. Mm -hmm. And what happened was is, Every time that I do anything, it's on a principled reason, it's well understood, it's well reasoned, argued, I, I have no problem about being very open about it, going in the media, running for office, being out there for Congress and Senate and Secretary of State, and what, I'm, I'm like, hey, you know, this is exactly what I feel and the reason why, this is my reasoning, let's debate, rock on, let's do it. And by having a radio show and having uh, Freedom's Phoenix and being out there in the public and uh, doing the Revolution was a big expansion of awareness. And all the support and the activists that we have in different groups that overlap, we're not one group. We're just overlapping interest uh, for this freedom thing. So it's very hard for them to get hold of anything. I'll tell you so what, Ernie, can, so you, can you hang with us here and continue this discussion? Sure. All right, great. More sure. with Ernest Hancock here in moments. 800-259-9231, the uh, proprietor of freedomsphoenix.com. There's uh, more on the way. Your calls as well. Maybe if you've got a question for Ernie, dial on in. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI phone-in line. And you can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. But first, cleaningcredit.com. If you have existing foreclosures, bankruptcies, judgments, liens, collections, or late payments on your credit file, you need to do something about that if you're going to be getting a car or a house because it can save it can cost you hundreds, and if not thousands, probably thousands, especially if you're buying a house. And uh, cleaningcredit.com, it is a law firm, a credit repair law firm chartered that has been rated uh, by the Better Business Bureau for more than six years. They're also number one at the Consumer Advocacy Group of America. It's a reputable organization that will help you to remove derogatory credit reports from or credit – I don't even know what to call these things the, – the little – the the, the 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 replies on your credit report the you know whatever they they say on there and they can remove them for you at uh, cleaningcredit.com 
We've got Ernest Hancock with us. He is the proprietor of freedomsphoenix.com and great website. If you haven't been to it yet, head on over there. You can get signed up for their daily uh, emailed news. And uh, Ernie, are you with us? I'm right here, man. All right. Great uh, great to have you back on. Of course, uh, you're the host of your own radio program, a couple of them, actually. Uh, I presume people can uh, easily access that, those through Freedoms Phoenix. Yeah, you go to Freedoms Phoenix, and I'll have the morning show up there, like uh, the morning show from today is already up there in the archive, and I just finished my afternoon show, and I'll have that up in a little bit. And then each of the networks have their own archive. So, yeah, no, we're, we're accessible. So in you know, addition we're, to that... We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to be you guys. It, well, <laughs> thank you. Uh, in addition to that, you've got a lot else uh, on your plate. You've got an entire, uh, you call it a, for the Freedoms Phoenix Workshop uh, a physical location where people, activist types uh, in your in the Phoenix area, can come to in order to make signs, to uh, use a printing press. There's a television production studio, a radio production studio on uh, on sites. Uh, it's just it sounds absolutely spectacular. You point out that you kind of you you pulled all this stuff together over a period of many years, and I'm just wondering what kind of costs uh, does this involve, Ernie? Because I'd I'd love to see activists be able to duplicate something like that. It doesn't sound like – I mean, it's, it's obviously something you didn't jump into and just get everything at once. Like you say, it, it came over time. But what, what cost what, – what kind of cost? What did it look like in the very beginning of the workshop? I know you said it's been in uh, – you said during your speech on uh, Sunday at the Liberty Forum that, you know, there have been several different locations. I think you said you were on your fourth location. So what was the first location like and how much did that cost to put together? And what's the location like now and how much does that cost to operate? Um, well, we what happened, the first one we did was in 1994. I, I was Maricopa County chairman at the time, and I said, look, if we're going to engage, you want me to do this, we're going to rock and roll. And what we did is uh, we funded that one with $12,000 that we raised doing a gun raffle, and it was right in the middle of the, the militia craze and all that stuff. So what we did is we bought an AR-15, a Mac 90 which is like an AK-47, and an SKS, and we called it the Liberty Rifle Raffle, and we raffled off tickets for that. We raised thousands and thousands of dollars, and uh, we had the drawing for that, as a matter of fact, was on the steps of the main post office here in Phoenix on April 15th, and the person that drew the winning ticket was Sheriff Richard Mack when he was Sheriff of Graham County here. The other person that drew the second place was a city councilwoman in Phoenix named Frances Barwood, and then one of our libertarian activists did the third prize. So, of course, that got all kinds of attention. You know, we're like, yeah, we're not afraid. We know what this is about. So uh, we had fun with that, and that started uh, when we first got uh, doing a lot of activism. Well, one of the activists said, you know, hey, you know, I got... $5,000, let's go ahead and get you all set up with a printing press, because we were doing a lot of initiatives and printing petitions and doing a lot of flyers and that kind of stuff. And this is back before the Internet, you know. And mm-hmm. so we were doing a lot of flyers. So we still have that printing press. Then recently, uh, uh, then our second uh, workshop was when we first did – that went on for years. And then after the Internet really started kicking, we uh, didn't need it anymore. Then our next one was for the Ron Paul Revolution. We first started that, and we only opened that for two months. All we needed was just to get it started. We knew it was going to happen. Then we did uh, another one again later when the Super Bowl came here. We went ahead and reopened that one for a couple of months just to make a bunch of signs and do all the stuff for the Super Bowl coming and supported Dr. Paul. 
Then when we did this one, we said, okay, if we're going to keep doing this, we need to go ahead and get a place that we can just not be bothered, a warehouse area. It's in semi-central Phoenix. It's an easy access to the freeways in downtown and so on. We found this old back of an old strip center. It's not marked. The doors aren't marked or anything. And we and we just built it out ourselves, and we built a video studio, and that was volunteer people, our big you know, John Daly Stewart desk that we have and the and the light boxes and all the background and everything was done by one of the Ron Paul supporters that was a carpenter and a cabinet maker. So then we had uh, volunteers that helped with that and donated uh, Home Depot cards for us to go get the wood and everything. We had uh, everybody brought all their woodworking tools. I used to build furniture in my garage and everything, so I had a lot of stuff to be able to make it. We built uh, the walls for the control room and for the studio, and everything's handmade. Then we needed, it probably cost us, it was a chunk for the radio studio. That was probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 worth of stuff. That's about and, what I put into mine, but, so that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, you know what it takes. I mean, you know, plus we have a Comrex Access remote machine. That we yeah. have all the – there's – I'm not missing anything. So we went ahead and just put out what we needed and computers and uh, T-shirt makers to go on Craigslist and find a six-head T-shirt maker. The only thing that we bought new was the conveyor dryer for making the shirts. And then – uh, we have uh, the sign production that we do. I mean, just on and on and on, all like lighting equipment, and the green screens, and the and the video cameras, sure. and all this stuff. People contribute or we raise money to get. And over a past two or three years during the the revolution, we were showing just how much we could get done with this for people. So people were very willing. They go, well, crap! If you're doing this and you need another thousand dollars to do it ten times more, well, heck, here it is. So it wasn't mm. that hard to raise the money when you're showing them what you're doing and you're not trying yeah. to control it. Just let people do what they want. I love that, and and it's it sounds very similar, but on a much larger scale than, uh, to what we have going on here in New Hampshire. Uh, obviously, as you say, you've been pretty established there for a, you know, a decade and a half uh, at this point. Uh, the New Hampshire Liberty Activism Movement is is relatively new on the scene. And we've got a TV studio in that uh, Sam from ObscuredTruth.com really has all that equipment. But that's kind of something that he's got in his home. I've got my home studio, my radio studio. We had another guy who had a sign-making area in his home that he was constantly inviting people to. But on the other hand, he was frustrated because people didn't know about his sign making area and they didn't know what times they could come over that kind of thing because it was in his living room uh so to some extent we've had some of those things going on we do have our own uh newspaper but we don't have our own printing press so we you know we contract that out um but having it all in one location i think is really cool idea and just having people be able to come in there i mean do you have security is it staffed how does it work with people being able to come there and uh, and work on things well you know i'm really an open source kind of guy i tell you uh, what most of the activity is, aside from the sign-making, is the duplication of DVDs. We have three 11-stack du- DVD duplicators, and we had donated to us 50,000 blank DVDs. So that's how we communicate with the senior citizens at the RV parks and so on. Ernie, let's have, come like, back. You can, can you stick with us for up to the whole hour? Is that possible? Sure, All right, sure. great. Hang on. More with Ernie Hancock from freedomsphoenix.com in moments. If you got a question for him, 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. 
This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Carnation Evaporated Milk, the cooking milk that makes life richer. For rich and creamy recipes, visit us at thecookingmilk.com. We all have our roster of recipes, but eating the same dishes over and over becomes boring. Instead of throwing them out and starting from scratch, play with different ingredients to give new flavor to old standards. Try Thai spices instead of your usual Italian seasonings. That just might do the trick. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Dot com And features include archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, all you have to do is click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. Free. You don't have to log in or click on any advertisements in order to actually listen to our show. You don't have to buy a subscription. We just give it away. So enjoy over at freetalklive.com. HostGator is a worldwide leader in web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free Web, web, uh, free site builder tools and templates. Use code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. That's HostGator.com, code FTL. All right, 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for our guest, Ernie Hancock from FreedomsPhoenix.com, great liberty-oriented news and opinion site, and uh, we are constantly talking about it here on this program, and uh, of course, you guys also support Free Talk Live, so it's a nice little relationship we have, Ernie. And uh, we got to to meet up with you over the weekend at the 2010 Liberty Forum, and you gave a very uh, rousing speech at the toward the very end of the forum there on uh, on Sunday, which the crowd really seemed to enjoy. Are you back with us? Yeah, yeah. And I got uh, uh, putting that up on the internet probably tonight. You know, I've been teaching my daughter how to do this. She's starting to work with me because I just get overwhelmed with the stuff and. Her schedule's changed so that she can help me a few hours a day. So uh, I'll have that up probably by this evening, and they can see the speech. But I enjoyed going there because somebody, I really felt it was important that somebody advocate for the person that chooses not to be affiliated with anything. I, yeah, I want to be free. I, I would prefer to go to a state that uh, advocates freedom, you know, the Free State Project. But I don't need a, a list of things that i got to do in order to be whatever, just having free people there makes everybody's job easier and advocating for freedom. So I just know the power of open source, let everybody do what they want. As long as, One of the benefits, though, is that here at Freedom Phoenix, you know, I am kind of, you know, the steward of everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if you can't keep your thing clean, if you can't pick up after yourself, if you can't, you don't get keys. But you know, right. everybody has I, – I, I can't keep track of how many sets of keys are out there, but your our security is just a, a webcam. <laughs> huh. How long do you, how long do you have to know somebody? It. I mean, how long do you uh, know somebody and work with somebody as an activist before you uh, bring them into the trusted circle of getting them a key to access all of this equipment that you have, radio studio, TV studio, uh, printing press, all of that stuff? I don't know, five or six minutes. I mean, seriously, it just hasn't been that way. We just opened it up. I mean, I I have, I just started deadbolting the actual, my office 
and where the duplicators are and the, um, the electronic equipment. But it wasn't because, I mean, we just started doing that a couple of months ago. We've been here a year and a half. And the reason is not because I'm afraid you're going to take something. It's because they're always pushing buttons and turning dials. You know how it is. You come in the next day and everything, you got 40 million dials and switches and slides that somebody's yeah. touched. Yeah. I'm like, heck no, man, quit playing. So I go, look, I, I just couldn't stand the stress anymore. So we go ahead and locked it up, and I have my own computer. But what I did is I went and bought two other computers, an 8-gig to edit video and a 4-gig to do a little editing and load up and so on, and took my multimedia computer and put it in my office. And the reason is is because I understand, even though it's expensive and it comes out of the budget and a lot of people, um, you know, it's, it, it is, there is a lot of cost. But the, what we get out of it, just by leave, leaving it alone and let people do what they want, is so enormous. They, they wonder, well, how is it that Freedom's Phoenix is able to do all this stuff? It's because I let them. Just go, go. They all regulate each other. It's really uh, you're a great example of decentralization, and of course we we saw a, um, a larger example of how that works during the Ron Paul campaign. Just they, Ron Paul didn't really have to do anything or tell anybody what to do. They just went out there and they created. And of course, uh, Freedoms Phoenix was a big part of that. With as you mentioned the uh, the Rev, Rev Love Lucian thing, uh, which was a great meme, and it spread very far and wide and was reproduced. And of course, you didn't try to control it. You just said, "Here, somebody designed that for you," and then you put it out there and. People took it and they ran with it and they made banners and billboards and uh, T-shirts and all kinds of uh, stuff with it. And it was happening all across the country. So the Ron Paul uh, campaign was a, was an even larger example of what you're talking about, this decentralized movement. Of course, we have that here in New Hampshire, too, where nobody's really in charge. You just you come here as part of the Free State Project and you find things you like to do and you do them. Uh, or if there's something that you you want to do and it's not already being done, you just announce that you're starting it, and then all of a sudden these people just show up and they you know they come in and and it's great how the movement uh, works that way. What are you what are you laying out for the warehouse? I mean, obviously there's the capital expenses that you got people to raise money for to you know bring in cameras and build the sets and things like that. Uh, what is it on an ongoing basis? What kind of money are you spending to uh, right, to keep I'll, this operating? Well, just between me and you, the, uh, uh, what we did is it was uh, an old strip center down in fairly central Phoenix. I mean, it's not like a high crime area or anything, but it's an old strip center. And they had a back area that does not have store frontage. There is no door that goes up to the front. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have an address. What we did is we carved out this large, I don't know, it's probably at least three, 4,000 square feet, and we just needed, it was just open space. And I said, that's all we need. You just give me air conditioner and electricity, man. We'll make it happen. So I went to that. I said, this third where we had the video and the audio studio, I already had it in my head what I was going to do. I said, this is mine. You know, everybody else, you can do whatever you want over here. Don't put the printing press over there, rock and roll. But this is mine. I, I already know what I need to do here. Everybody else have fun. Well, uh, we did that. We only have... Uh, um, a couple of doors that you can get in here. And then we have an open space that opens up to like another 10,000 square feet that's not rented. And uh, we use that anyway. So we really got a much larger area than what we paid for. So what we did is I knew the landlord. It was the same landlord when we had our previous workshops. And I told him, I said, look, we will pay a year and a half in advance. We will give you all of the money up front if you will give us a really smoking, smoking, smoking deal. We've got this just open space, whatever. So we wound up getting this for, 
think it was less than nine hundred dollars a month. Hmm. So and, and how many we square feet? The money for that. How many square feet was it? We have about three to four thousand square feet wow. is what we paid for, and then we got like probably I don't know ten fifteen thousand square feet that we get to use. Jeez. Because I, nobody else is you know is renting, so you know we oh, go see. play wiffle ball. I mean you know have a rave. I mean whatever you know. Wow. But what happened is we got our own entrance in the back of the strip center. So imagine imagine a strip center, and you got like a road that goes behind it. Well, we're in the back, so we got our own parking lot. Nobody Man. bothers us. You know uh, alley access, but we have no sign. Nobody knows we're here unless we want them to. So and- we do all our stuff here. Then we have uh, monthly expenses depending um, anywhere between 500 to you know $1,200 a month, depending on what time of year and how much electricity we use for air conditioning. Mm-hmm. But that includes our all our DSL lines, you know, for uh, internet. We have uh, a couple of phone lines, a fax line. We have our um, ISDN, which is our digital line for connecting with the networks for the radio. Mm-hmm. We have uh, you know just stuff. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's not free, no. but we had a budget that we decided for November of 2010, if we're going to do this, we'll go ahead and plan on at least funding this through the next election cycle. And uh, they go, okay, I go, it's going to be this much. We raised that much money, so it's done. At the end of that, we'll raise it again or we won't. How do you, you do know? it? How so, do you manage to raise that kind of money from a local group of activists? I just I can't imagine how many people you must have that you can go to for this because when I was down in Sarasota, Florida, which is a fairly large market, we had maybe 10 people uh, maximum show up to your average Libertarian Party meeting. So I want to know how you manage to raise thousands upon thousands of dollars to buy, uh, you, you said, 18 months in advance on the lease and then pay you know, five, 500 to 1500 bucks a month for various different bills and things like that. Uh, how do you do it? So hang on, and we'll talk about it here in a moment. It's more with Ernie Hancock. Your questions for him, if you've got them, 800-259-9231. He is one of the doers in the world for is the Liberty ever? Movement. It's Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we could use it. Uh, We would appreciate you becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. I don't know how Ernie Hancock manages to raise the money that he does. We're going to find out here in a moment from Freedoms Phoenix, but I do know that uh, one way I can raise money to support this program is by asking you to send over three bucks a month via any major credit card or PayPal or some alternative options. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show 
So we can get Free Talk Live on more radio stations. We've got 68 of them now. Uh, We're going to get more Internet listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom, exposing people to Freedom's Phoenix as well, as we've been talking to uh, to Ernie Hancock here, and we will continue in a moment. But go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more and to get signed up. And I'll be straight with you. Uh, Amp's been having a tough time since the whole economic downturn thing. Within the last year or so, it really hasn't significantly gone up. I mean, it, it came up a little bit, and then it came back down again. And in the last several weeks, we've probably lost more uh, ampers than we've gained. So there's just been kind of just a slow bleeding of uh, of people just trickling away from the AMP program. And when you talk to them and you find out why, it's usually times are tough or they lost a job or something like that. So I completely understand why somebody would have to go. I mean, just yeah, it's it's expendable income, right? So you, you, you cut it off when things get tight. Uh, if you have been considering becoming an amplifier, if you are a supporter verbally of this show, if you can afford the three bucks a month, if you you know can afford giving up a cup of coffee or a hamburger or something like that uh, to send some cash over to, to Free Talk Live, It'll make a difference for us, and you'll get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, uh, the AMP-only forum, the commercial-free, uh, the recorded commercial-free AMP-only podcast, and more. Go get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. Again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. Now, Ernie Hancock back with us from freedomsphoenix.com. Brilliant website, and there's a much larger movement attached to it there in the the Phoenix area. You know, Ernie, when we talk about uh, the liberty movement in this country, obviously we're big fans of the Free State Project because, well, we're participants and we made the move here a few years ago, and it's a really exciting. Uh, it's an exciting uh, concept, and it's becoming a, a really exciting reality. Uh, at the same time, when we usually mention the Free State Project, when we talk about how there's not much else going on out there in the rest of the country, I usually make an exception to mention what's going on in Phoenix because. Because I think what you're doing there is is absolutely outstanding. Uh, there's all kinds of great liberty-oriented content coming from out of there. Everything from YouTube videos to uh, you know radio uh, programs and and as you were ta- telling us, you've got an amazing uh, center there. You call it the Freedoms Phoenix uh, Workshop, where you've got a you've got a printing press, you've got a silk screening uh, operation, radio studio, TV studio. I mean, it's amazing what uh, what you've managed to set up, and the the funds you've had to raise, I think, are are fairly significant uh, to most people. I mean, one of the problems here in New Hampshire is that we've got mostly single young males moving here. I mean, mostly, but there are some families coming in, and slowly we're getting the uh, the entrepreneurs with capital like the investor types so we don't have a real base of uh people holding on to a lot of cash at least i don't think we do uh to, to, to tap into but maybe there maybe it's out there and i just we just don't know how to tap into it so how did you manage to raise enough money to open up a, a multi-thousand foot uh, center and and put all that stuff in it how did you do it well the main thing is is we made it as cheap as possible to do it. <laughs> you know, we negotiated, you know, kind of you know, what it would normally would cost somebody to do, to replicate what we have would probably be, I don't know, a lot. I mean, you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand, I mean, it'd be a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's all volunteer people. I mean, just little stuff, you know, an old, like a, my soundboard that I have. Well, I got it for $500 from Clear Channel, and they upgraded some of their stuff. One of the guys I know in radio here, you know, knew that they had this old board that we redid and did all our own stuff. So for $2,000, he set up everything in the entire sound system as his contribution to the movement. Mm-hmm. See, this is the, the point that I'm trying to make, and what I was talking about at the Liberty Forum was the power of one. There is... 
enormous power in individuals just doing what they want in voluntary and even temporary alliance with other people. And you have this this enormous mushrooming of, of activism that people will come in and they'll do this, oh my goodness, thing that you never thought would have such a big impact, and then you never see them again for like three months, and then they'll come back and do something else. But you get, else but you have, you know, two, three dozen other people doing the same kind of stuff, so there's always something constantly going on. Well, people with resources, I'll tell you where the money comes from and how this works. You imagine you have these people with money, they will give uh, you know five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars to the Heritage Foundation or Fee or Cato or something like that, mm-hmm. and all they get is an invitation to sit at another table at their dinner where they got to fill it up with ten more people and uh, request for more money while they sit there and talk about how many times they got published as letters to the editor in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, that sounds like, like the movement. Yeah. Yep. Pardon me? I said that sounds like the movement to me, uh, a good summary well, of what the libertarian movement is. So these people, you know, they're going, wow, there's somebody out there really doing something or somebody being effective or somebody. And they'll go, oh, you're too controversial or you're too whatever. But they have no concept of how many people that are our age that have money, but they don't have time. They just right. like, yes, I'm for radically changing the culture. I'm for advocating, you know, putting your chest out and going up against the beast. And they are willing to, and a lot of times these people, because they really truly know what's happening, are making a lot of money on the decline of the dollar. They're making a lot of money betting against the subprime market. They're making a lot of money investing in other currencies. They just need to have something, yeah, they just need to have something that they can pour it into and feel good about. And I think that uh, Free Talk Live has had some success with this. I'm open the segment here uh, by talking about the Free Talk Live AMP program. We set it up in 2005 with the intention of having our listeners send in three bucks a month, not a huge amount, uh, to uh, to support this program and to get help Free Talk Live get on more stations. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And a few years later, it was up to 4000 bucks a month. We're at around 4500 now. We've been as high as 48000 4900 and we've kind of dwindled down from there uh, in the you know this so-called economic downturn. Have you noticed something similar happening with uh, people contributing to you, or is it just pouring in uh, no problem? Um, well, you're kicking my butt. <laughs> you know, what we do is we we don't need as much. I mean, we buy stuff as we go, and then people, they're, all their activities is volunteer. I mean, there's nobody. The only um, person that's paid is my senior editor, which is Pal Gamble. He gets a little bit to make sure the dispatch goes out every day. Mm-hmm. I have a, a webmaster that I pay for, you know, making sure everything's taken care of there, and then that's it. You know, everything else is just, you know, volunteer and people contributing to get more stuff. So we don't have bills. It's not like we're, you know, finance anything. We go, okay, if we get this, we'll be able to do this. Okay, well, So, so you have to have a vision. You have to have a concrete vision of what it is you want to accomplish, put it out there, and then allow people to respond to that. So let's say somebody's got that vision for their movement, because I'm, I'm doing this interview not just for my edification, but for everybody else listening that might want to duplicate some of the things that you're doing. You put that vision out there. You say, this is what I want to create. This is what it's going to cost. Can you help? What are some of the ways that you reach the people? Did you have a big email list? You just have a list of phone numbers that you called up personally? How did you actually get your vision out to the people who came back with the, uh, with the cash? You know, this is what nobody can comprehend or understand or believe. They 
came to me. This is, you have no idea how, because I knew I, that's what I wanted when I was young. That's where I put my resources. You know, you, you, you know a bunch of the young activists. I'm, you know, I'm slinging $50 here, $100 there, a little, you know, because I know when I was a young activist, $200 changed the planet. I mean, I, I needed one little bitty, you know, digital recorder thing. I needed one little, you know, uh, smartphone. I needed, you know, some, I look at people that are busting butt and the entire planet would change if they had one little piece of $50 equipment. So I go, done, there. What do, I, what, what do you need? I go, just go use it. Go, go be some. Give me, you know, regular streams on Freedom's Phoenix. Give me some goodie. Give me some activism. Here's a, a phone. Like, 4409 started with a uh, Panasonic professional camera he got on Craigslist for $600 that I bought for him. That's how 4409 got started. So this is, you know, I just know where to invest time. And I'll go to people. I said, look, I need this for this, and this is what we produced. So I don't promise I'm going to do something. I show what I already did. You want more of it? No, I need this. So what a lot of people don't understand is that when you advocate, advocate no compromise, freedom activism that is not dependent on vote totals or what some media editor thinks of what you're doing, there are people that support that. That's why I was, that was my whole topic of my speech at Liberty Forum. The and it was an amazing one. speech. As you pointed out, it's going to be available soon at freedomsphoenix.com. Ernest, it's been a great conversation. I'm going to put you on hold because I want to talk to you off the air, but thank you so much for coming on Free Talk Live tonight. There's more coming up. You can bring up anything. Healthcare on the way. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Live, you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll free at 800 259 9231. The SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. Coming up, we get a chance. I got an email from Barack Obama. We'll share that with you, see what he has to say about this whole health care thing. 800-259-9231 allows you to take control of the airwaves. You can bring up whatever you want to. We go to your phone calls to start things out here this hour. Launching into the second hour of the show, we go to Stephen, listening in Florida. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, good afternoon, um, or good evening. Uh, I'd like to tell you something about a, a movement or a community that you're probably only slightly aware of. Uh, it's, in fact, how I found the Liberty Movement is through the Atheist Movement. Uh, I, I don't know. It might sound silly to you. In fact, it probably does. When I think back on it now, it sounds silly to me as well. But uh, there are there are atheists and there are atheist groups. Uh, there I know is I used atheist. to be one. Me too. Right, but 
but I don't know if you were very, very much into the atheist community. Maybe you were. I, I'm not sure. No, no. I mean, as far as the community, I mean, I didn't go to any atheist meetings or anything like that. Right. Well, when I think about it now, I mean, it just seems so silly because it's 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 stuff that just doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I evangelical American- evangelical right. atheism makes about as much sense to me as evangelical anything else uh, religious. Right. Or, you know, I guess not. Re- I, it's hard to call atheism religious, but I mean, well, it's now wait a minute. Kind of the not same necess- thing. Wait a minute, Mark. They're not necessarily evangelical. It could simply be that they want to get together with like-minded. Uh, no, people. indeed. But there are evangelical atheists there are. out there, and, there are. and like there if are. you say one thing like Gesundheit or God bless you, you know, you're they're, they're on you like uh, white on rice. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And. and and the movement part of it comes from the, uh, well, I guess American Atheist, the group that was founded by Madeleine Murray O'Hare back in the early 60s, yep. has now sort of uh, mutated or transmogrified into a uh, political, political action committee where they, you know, they check out bills. And, and they're interested in church-state separation issues. They have the, the classic uh, liberal left-of-center uh, misinterpretation of the First Amendment uh, you know, where they think that it means that there shall be no religion in public life. And, and any, just like Mark is saying, I mean, anything, if there's, if there's a cross on display anywhere or anything like this, uh, you know, they're, they're just anxious. They're just itching to be offended by it. You know, they can't wait to be yep. offended by something. And I, and I certainly used to be like that, of course. Like, they as did I, I, when, I was in, when I was new into atheism, I, I, right. I found the American atheists. And, oh, uh, yep. you, you couldn't wait to be, to, to be, uh, you couldn't wait to be offended. That, that was how I was. I just yeah. couldn't wait to be offended. Uh, and and um, I logged on to the American Atheist website. I think it was American Atheist. It's one of the leading atheist groups. Yep, that's them. And at, at the top, it, they had a poll, and it said, which issue motivates you the most? And it was uh, religion in the military, uh, prayer in schools, or under God uh, in the Pledge of Allegiance. And I was thinking how far I've come, because none of that matters to me. It is so, I mean, it's just absolutely irrelevant to Everything that we really need to be focused on, we, I mean, right. we as in everybody, the people. Now, it's my uh, understanding, in the, in, um, I've heard about the Air Force Academy, that it's very tif- difficult yeah. there to be, um, you know, like a, uh, you know, an agnostic or an atheist or something like that, that the, the evangelicals uh-huh. really run the show there. And I think that it's unfair that a group would be over a secular organization like that, that, um, that, that you know, gets money from the government and stuff like that. I think that's wrong for a uh, religious group to be sort of in charge there, whether uh-huh, it's, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's on purpose or whether it's just sort of happened, it's, it's not right. But other than that. Right. And, and, uh, for example, I have atheist friends, you know, mostly I only communicate with them through Facebook or, uh, anything like that anymore because I've, I've moved away from them. I'm not with them anymore. And, and they're trying to get me all riled up about things like, you know, oh, there's some school where their the teacher was, talking about uh, creationism or the textbook thing in Texas, I guess, now that in Texas they're going to have equal time. I'm not sure. Don't quote right. me on this. And, and of course, their answer have... to all of this is to just get the uh, the politicians in that are friendly to their ideas, state. whereas the real answer, of course, as we would say, I think, is that uh, the government schools are the problem that allow for problem. this conflict in the first place. Right. And not, not, not just allows it. They actually set up a situation where it must happen. There must be a perennial battle between the secularists and the creationists. That's true. And whatever group can get, I mean, if you can get enough astrologers together to, <laughs> to petition the state, well, then they'll be out there, too, trying to get their stuff put in yep. the textbook to, as a, uh, you know equal time you know uh, against astronomy uh, or, or whatever. And it, it's, that's the point. And I keep trying to explain to these atheists, because, you know, they're nice people, a lot of them, very nice. Uh, and sure. I try to explain to Some them, the this Christians. is the 
this is the problem. This is the yeah, and so are Christians too. I mean, I'm married to a Christian after all. <laughs> but um, but that, the problem is the, the problem isn't uh, church state separation. It's not prayer in schools. It's not Ten Commandments posted in the classroom. It's not uh, under under God and the Pledge of Allegiance spoken by school children across the country. The problem is the public schools. That's the problem. Absolutely. That's what we have to focus on. I don't. I don't. It's and it reminds me of that quote about the uh, and I don't. I'll, I'll butcher it if I try to say it, but about the uh, uh, striking the root, where you know everybody else is striking at the branches, and there's mm-hmm. one guy striking at the root, and, and I think that's what we need to do. But I just kind of wanted to touch base with you guys on that. I don't know if you're even aware of of this. I mean, there's like a what, real. What kind of responses are you movement. getting? I mean, when you, you said you're trying oh. to bring them to these ideas, what what sort of responses are you receiving? It's it's mostly that I'm a wacko. <laughs> I mean, that, to be honest, that that's like. One friend of mine said, when did you go so stupid? And, of course, he was saying it in a tongue-in-cheek way, uh, but he just wants to know, when did I get stupid? How, when when wow. did I stop caring about these very, very important issues? And, and it's not that I don't care about them. It's just that I have a completely different approach. You've, you've not really What it is is you gave up two religions. You gave mm-hmm. up the whatever religion you had prior to becoming an atheist, and then and you gave up the, the religion, religion of, of the state. state. Yes, exactly. But they That's can't right. see That's that exactly because right. they're still stuck within the, the state. We must have a state uh, paradigm. This is the way things are. This is the system, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. so now you're you're more radical, uh, you know, more extreme than uh, than even the atheists can uh, can fathom. Right. And if we can touch on the, the First Amendment really quickly, too, they have this concept that it's the uh, – the, the First Amendment is Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That's the Establishment Clause. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what this means, the reason why it's written this way, and I understand this now, and I didn't understand it then, and my atheist friends currently do not understand it, it's written this way because there were establishments of religion. And what the Constitution was, it was a pact among the states saying, look, you don't mess with our religion in Massachusetts, which, by the way, had a taxpayer-supported official state religion until 1833, and nobody thought that was unconstitutional. Uh, and I, about half the states that signed on to the Constitution, uh, half of the 13 or so, had official taxpayer-supported state religions. The reason why it's written that way is because there were establishments of religion. Congress shall make no, res- make no law respecting an establishment of religion, in other words, where, that is, where an established religion exists. That's what it's about, and I try to explain that to them, and they think that I've gone off in la-la land and I'm, you know, Pat Robertson or something like that. And it's just that I have a more rich and pure understanding of what the, the what they meant when they wrote the First Amendment. Well, I wonder if you could have some success. And honestly, I haven't. Uh, I never like, unlike you, I never really was into the atheist community, uh, so mm-hmm. I don't have these associates and these friends that I can I can go and test these ideas out on. But I right. wonder if coming at them uh, by explaining that trying to have them look at the state as another religion like well why do you believe that there must be a government isn't it because your parents told you that's the way things were how different uh-huh. is that from whatever it was your parents told you about religion presuming they had religious parents uh it, right. it seems like you could maybe walk them down that same aha path that they had with uh, whatever religion they had in in the same way that they uh, could have it with uh, with the state with the government mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm working on them but you know they tend to be leftists it's like they think that they're constitutionalists, but when they say this, what they really mean is that, well, I understand what the Establishment Clause of the First, of the first Amendment means. In fact, they don't understand right. what it means, but they think they do, right. and they don't give a crap it's, about any of the other stuff. They think, for example, health care is fine. The, f- the you know, health care thing is fine. The First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America is darn clear. 
It says Congress shall make no law. That right, doesn't exactly. mean that local, uh, you know, local legislative bodies and states or municipalities or something like that couldn't make laws respecting religion. Religion. Exactly. I'm not saying and that I think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. But yes, if, I agree. If you're going to use the, the 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 Constitution as your rule book, you need to understand how the you need to read the rules as they are written, right. and they are written in plain English. And maybe one of right. the other possible other approach, Stephen, is to take one of them and have them call in Free Talk Live and talk to us because sometimes. A stranger can do a better job of uh, persuading than can somebody you know very well. So good luck. Let us know what you continue to experience. And thank you for the call tonight at 800-259-9231. Because people's interactions with other people, whichever groups we're talking about, whatever belief systems we're talking about, are very useful to uh, people listening because, well, they're likely running into similar situations. So let's share. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, including our Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo, showing they are indeed listeners of the program, or their validated video also is an option. Shrine.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies Summer Seminar Program is now accepting applications. They have 11 different seminars all over the United States and uh, major cities across the country. The IHS provides Meals and housing while you're there at the seminar. All I have to do is get there. There are seminars ranging from liberty and Leviathan, policy from the libertarian perspective, and ideas of a free society. Most of these uh, seminars obviously are centered around the ideas of liberty. They are open to people who are undergraduates, graduates, and recently graduated. Deadline is March the 31st. Go to libertarianseminars.com. There's it's libertarianseminars.com. They even have, they have a sign up thing there where you can find out more information too and have information sent to you. Libertarianseminars.com. Coming up, if we get a chance, we'll get to some uh, the healthcare news, uh, the discussion about what this bill entails. Barack Obama sent me an email. We'll explain that. Uh, but first, your phone calls. Dave is in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey guys. Hey Dave. Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. What's on your mind tonight? We're going to talk a little bit about the arrests of the marijuana activists on on uh, Saturday. Saturday and today, uh, another activist was arrested this afternoon. Uh, of course, we're talking about the 420 celebrations that have been going on here regularly in Keene, New Hampshire. They spread this weekend uh, during the Liberty Forum. Uh, they spread to Nashua, New Hampshire, where 100-plus people came out on Saturday afternoon and were attacked by... 20 cops, a dozen cop cars, a a canine unit. They arrested three people, one for marijuana, uh, one for sitting in front of uh, standing in front of the police car and not moving, another for having a video camera uh, and and being in the street. So what were your thoughts, Dave? Well, the thing that struck me, uh, I think maybe some folks may have missed, is the extent to which these folks were sort of, they were walking along the path that the, the greats laid out hundreds of years ago. 
uh, the great original libertarians laid out. And in fact, while uh, there was a presentation going, there was a, uh, shortly after the arrest, there was a presentation at the Liberty Forum where Etienne de la Boite, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, received the uh, Freedom Book Club's Book of the Book of the Year award, basically. But he was the one who had that famous quote. You know, I asked that you, you know, basically, I, this is not an exact quote, but he basically was saying, Do, he's not asking that you lay hands on the tyrant, just don't support him anymore, and he will fall of his own weight. And, mm. and just as that presentation was being made, it was being carried out by one of the activists who was supposed to be there, but instead was in jail. That's an interesting point, uh, the idea being that if you don't support the government, if you don't actively uh, fund it, if you don't actively obey it, then uh, they have no more power anymore. Right. I just think, it's, to me, it was really moving just to step back. Everyone thought it was that good to step back in the forest, look at the whole forest instead of the trees, and see where we've been and where we are now, and, and remember that we're not alone even on the timeline. Very good, Dave. Anything else you want to share with our listeners? That was it, though. I didn't, I didn't know that much about Curtis's arrest. I've heard a little bit about it. I'm, gonna, I'm about to head to Murphy's Tap Room. I'm going to find out some more, but you guys probably know more about it than yeah, I do. Yeah, it's my understanding that what happened was uh, they called uh, – first of all, uh, for our listeners that don't know, as we mentioned, three people were arrested on Saturday. There was a tremendous turnout the next day. Turnout was a little lower because people were having to leave town. They, you know, they, they didn't plan to necessarily stay longer for the Liberty Forum beyond when it was originally scheduled to end. But nonetheless, we still had 65 people. I, you were there Sunday, weren't you, Dave? Both days. Yeah, right. There were just so many people there, it was hard for me to ascertain who everybody was. Uh, 65 people there on Sunday, and that was at one point in time that I counted, so maybe it had been more like 75 over the, uh, the whole hour that we were there. But nonetheless, the police did not make any arrests. They did not show themselves uh, in the park. They drew by a few times, so they certainly knew that we were there, uh, but they didn't make any arrests. Nothing happened Monday, to my knowledge, and then Curtis, one of the activists from Keene, called, uh, essentially started, called it on again for a Tuesday, uh, every week, Tuesday afternoon basis. So 420 celebrations have been scheduled uh, in Nashua uh, at 420, of course, at the same park at which we've been before on Tuesday afternoon. So this was the first of those Tuesday afternoon events. So he scheduled it at the last minute? Uh, it was. I think he called it uh, sun, late Sunday night or, or sometime oh, Monday. Oh, okay. so, so, yeah, it was okay, really good. Rel- I, hate it when, I hate it when these 420 things are scheduled at 419. That's not good. But no, if you well, uh, the 420 things are scheduled yeah. every day here in Keene. So, I mean, they're, they're never off the schedule here in Keene. They're just constantly going on. And we've been left alone. Uh, Curtis went out there today. I don't know how many other folks were out there with him. Uh, and he ended up getting arrested. They apparently was not giving them his information. Last I heard from the, uh, the Porcupine 411 messages that were going out today, that he was not giving information to the cops. So they were holding him. So whether he will end up being out of jail tonight or not, I think remains to be seen and that's uh, that's the latest hey there is one other piece of information other people may have missed and that is i, I checked the, the national telegraph comment section of the telegraph did an article about this uh about the arrests on saturday two articles actually I, they uh, just I had a new article comments, today dave i checked the comment section uh and uh i guess yeah i guess i was checking today's article in the comment section two to one positive response positive eye direction from the public that's good 
certainly the drive-bys uh, on both on both afternoons were also very positive. I mean, we didn't I didn't notice any negativity coming from the drivers that were on the road that day. Uh, didn't see anybody flipping any birds or any fus or anything uh, derogatory like that. Normally, you do get that stuff. Uh, it was overwhelmingly positive honks and waves and smiles and thumbs ups and shout outs and things like that. Uh, so I, I don't know. The Nashua PD doesn't really seem to realize what they've gotten themselves into here. Uh, they're stirring up the hornet's nest of activists, but they're peaceful hornets. I guess I don't think hornets is the right, <laughs> really the right term because it's like you were saying, Dave, earlier. You know, you don't lay the hands on, uh, you don't lay hands on the tyrant. You just withdraw your support. But it's so tempting to lay hands on because you're there. They're hurting your yep. friends. They're being violent. They're being awful. They're being nasty, and you just, I still feel the anger welling up inside me, and I, you know, I feel like I'm getting away from that particular mentality but nonetheless when i watch the footage and it's all over freekeen.com people can go there and they can see various different uh, clips and angles uh from saturday's crackdown it still wells up inside me and it's very frustrating i, I don't want that i don't want to feel that way and uh and I, I can only imagine that for some people that anger must be worse so it's it can be a real challenge to focus on love and forgiveness and, and understanding and leaving your hands off the tyrant and withdrawing yourself from uh from consenting to the system and and uh, and trying to avoid paying for it as uh, as much as possible. It's a real challenge. Well, there was other, one other thing I noticed uh, along the lines of what you're talking about. I think there were probably about 500 expressions of support that I witnessed each day. I mean, it was more like 700 the second day. It went up. And the entire the entire two days, I only saw three expressions of, of opposition, maybe four. Mm. That's the highest ratio of support I've ever seen. It's good to keep track of these things. Yep, it's tremendous. And yet the Politico, there's a particular Politico out there that's uh, that heads up one of the uh, lobbying organizations who's saying he doesn't support this kind of thing. He doesn't think this is the way to go about uh, you know achieving uh, change in New Hampshire. Clearly, the New Hampshireites disagree with him. They love this stuff. They're honking and yeah, waving do. and doing all kinds of stuff. Some do, some don't. That's that's really the long. Uh, of the plenty show. of them do. Enough yeah, of them yeah, do to make a plenty big, of them do to make a lot of noise. Let me tell you, yeah, plenty so, of them do. I don't know that the ones that do vote that much though. Yeah, well, I don't really care. Hey, Dave, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I don't base my activism around the ones that don't like the message that uh, that we're portraying. More coming up. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Take control of the airwaves, dial in toll-free, bring up what you want, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You get our wiki on our website. You can go and edit virtually anything you see. It's like a listener-editable version of our site. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com, W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. 
It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. You know, scratch that. It's more than three companies in one now. Now they do any kind of uh, contact that you need to do with people over the telephone. Um, they, you know, if you're running a political campaign or something like that, they can help you with uh, contacting people in your district or your state or, or wherever. It's SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. And uh, it's Jason Osborne. He's, uh, you know, the big sponsor of the show. Freedom Advocate. 800-259-9231. Continuing here with your phone calls. Of course, the 420 celebrations are continuing in New Hampshire. Keene, they're going on every single day. Uh, In Nashua, they're happening on a weekly basis. Another activist was arrested today. One of the Keene folks who'd come down there to to get things, uh, to get the ball rolling there in uh, in Nashua. We know the police listen to the the Pork 411s. That's our little system that, uh, that the activists have set, one of our activists has set up that allows anybody with a phone to call a number, leave a message, and then have that message blasted out to hundreds of recipients. And so those Pork 411 messages were coming out today. And Curtis, Sovereign Curtis is his name, he announced that this uh, protest or the, uh, excuse me, this celebration, the 420 celebration was going to happen in Nashua. And surprise, surprise, they arrested Sovereign Curtis today. Now, was that a coincidence? Because they've also arrested Rich Paul in Keene months ago when they were first uh, the, the celebrations were first starting up here. The police tend to target the person they believe is the organizer because they believe if they take out the organizer that things are just going to dissipate and go away. But it doesn't usually work that way with the activists up here. You target the organizer, somebody else steps up to uh, to fill his shoes. Not that these things are particularly organized. I mean, the extent of organization was Curtis calling Pork 411 and saying, hey, we're going to do this every week in Nashua. I'm coming out today. Hope to see you there. There's... He's not telling people what to do. He's not telling them what signs to bring. He's not telling them to smoke or not to smoke or anything like that. He's just saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come out and do it. And uh, we really need more doers. We need more organizers. We need people to step forth and, and get out there and do things up here. So looking forward to having more folks come here this year and next year and the year after that here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project as the early movers. And, of course, we'll keep you in the loop as we learn more. I found out something exciting today, Mark, about this. Cannabis Culture Magazine, our friends uh, Mark and Jody Emery over there, are going to cover this in a major way. In fact, uh, I got in touch. I gave them a heads up uh, last night. I sent an email to Jody, who's on our Shrine of Female listeners, by the way. Very lovely lady. Mm, she is. And uh, I sent an email to Jody giving her some of the, the details as to what's going on, and she wrote back, very interested. She got one of her people uh, at the magazine. Well, I, guess I call it a magazine. They don't even have a magazine anymore. Cannabisculture.com is their website. They get millions of hits a month. I mean, it's a tremendously popular. And so they, they're so well uh, – their business is going so well at Cannabis Culture that they actually pay for, uh, for articles. So we're actually going to have uh, one of our uh, free staters, uh, JJ from the Free Keen Press here, write up the story. So we get to actually write our own story covering the event that will end up uh, being published by Cannabis Culture. And they're going to pay our guy for it. How cool is that? So people should uh, stay tuned because we'll let you know when that's available. Of course, you can go to freekeen.com to see that when it happens. We go to your phone call. Scott is in Canada, the home of Cannabis Culture, Canada. Uh, Scott, where are you in Canada? Uh, I live just outside of Winnipeg. Okay, I don't know where that is. It's a it's big, in, big country. Go, uh, <clears throat> yeah. What go time to, zone is that? It's Central Time, Minnesota. Okay. Got go it. to Minneapolis and go straight for eight hours, and you get to Winnipeg. The cannabis culture folks over in West, uh, Vancouver, which Vancouver, is Vancouver, yeah, Coast. that's where they based out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah you bet. So but it's, it's up. Uh, uh, well, 
Hey, I'm sure arresting all those uh, drug smokers is going to stop them from doing drugs ever again. That's right. They're cracking down, so therefore drugs will go away. The uh, <laughs> war on drugs will uh, certainly have a prohibitive effect on people using drugs. Oh, wait, never mind. It's never prohibited anybody from actually using anything. It's just made it more a little more difficult for their, them to get their hands on this stuff and a lot more costly. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, that actually ties into what I was thinking about. Um, a little earlier, a fellow was calling, talking about religion, sort of the religion of statism, and, and how he gave that up uh, when he left religion as well. And something that pisses me off is when someone, a few people told me, once I left my religion, I was a Mormon, uh, I became a libertarian. I don't like to say I became, like I started you know, going in that direction. Sort of the same time, it's because I came... I became a skeptic. I became a skeptic of religion, which also means I became a, a skeptic of the state. And I looked at these things like the drug wars, like, what's the evidence show me? Arresting people doesn't stop them from doing it. Making it illegal doesn't stop them from doing it. The evidence is that the black market is created by this. And so people tell me I replaced my religion with uh, libertarianism, that is my new religion. And that pisses me off because it's sort of saying that I'm not intelligent enough to, to think for myself, that I have to have some sort of uh, thing to cling to, but that's not what happened. It's just a natural growth of of my life, of me thinking differently, and that logically, libertarian thought was the way that just made sense to me, using like critical thinking skills, and, and you guys are really good with this, with logic, and showing how applying those principles to the state and, and our world really leads you to, if you want to have the greatest benefit, you know, you hear people say, uh, do the the, uh, the the most I don't know how they word it. The most that you can for the most amount of people, if that makes sense. Uh, the most good for the most people? Sure, yeah. And the answer to that is is less government or no government. Right, like, well, that's if, the it's way religion, it's if it's a religion for me to believe that using coercive force on peaceful people is a bad thing, then I will embrace See, that. See, I, I have to sort of disagree. I do think that libertarianism is at its core, the, the, the philosophies of liberty are at its core a moral philosophy. So I can see why but people... morality isn't necessarily a religion. I understand, but I can see... But people ha- tend to conflate those two things in their minds because religions generally deal with, at least the one that I'm most familiar with and, and uh, several that I've looked at, deal with... With morality, so they tend to conflate religion and morality, and I can see why it is that they would say what they say. And um, you know, I, I can see, I see where you're coming from too, Scott. That that you didn't sign on, uh, sign up for this because you, you know, you're some kind of zealot that uh, got converted or something like that. You. Right, there's no fun, there's no uh, charismatic leader or anything like that that you're following. No, there's certainly no. There there may be leaders, but they're not charismatic. The um, <laughs> but the ideas of of liberty are in, of in and of themselves extraordinarily moral. Now I can see how somebody somebody can look at something from a utilitarian fashion and they can say that liberty works from a utilitarian fashion, or they can say it doesn't work from a utilitarian fashion. Um, so it is. It, from the utilitarian angle, it's much more difficult to argue liberty versus the moral um, standpoint, which is it is simply wrong to use force or fraud to get what you want. And for me, it was at first, it was what works. And that's what led me to sort of the ideas of liberty, is that it seemed to work for me. Like all through my life, when I felt oppressed by the system, right, the, the man, and when I really started to examine that, when I understood what it is, what the system is, I started to see how you can get around that, how you can get that out of your life, and the answer just became over and over, became liberty. 
personal liberty and just over and over it led to that and then for me afterwards came the sort of uh the moral philosophy of the non-aggression principle and once i sort of understood that so i guess it, in the sense yes it is a moral philosophy definitely it's not it's not math right it is a philosophy so i i can see how they could say it's religious but i i just don't think that's the right thing to, to call it because there's no deity there's no dogma in particular you know i'm not uh, i'm not paying tithing to anybody um but I, I think, in general, just because I embraced this idea and left behind my old idea, that's why some people are saying I just replaced my religion with, with this new religion. And it, but call, given that, the definition of religion, that means you can call anything a religion. Right, you can true. call a medium of atheists talking about evolution a religion. You could. I mean, the, the first definition right there at dictionary.com, a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe, especially when considered as the creation of a superhuman agency or agencies, usually involving devotional and ritual observances and often containing a moral code governing the conduct of human affairs. Then you also have this more general one, uh, the body of persons adhering to a particular set of beliefs and practices. So... It could be anything. Yeah, that's true. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, Scott. Thank you. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything to control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You're welcome to bring up whatever might have to be on your mind. 800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can, well, you can promote the show by helping us get on more radio stations and bringing more internet listeners on board. You can go to promote.freetalklive.com to get a list of things that you can do. That's promote.freetalklive.com. As we go to, I believe Jericho is with us, listening to WSVG in Mount Jackson, Virginia. Hello, Jericho. Hi, how you doing tonight? Hey, great. What's on your mind? Oh, first off, man, I've never heard, even heard, heard this show before, and I found it sounded pretty cool, but then when you were fading out commercially, you are playing Megadeth, I knew I'd found my kind of place. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway... Uh, well, well welcome. Whole, By the way, we're on every night there in, uh, in Mount Jackson on uh, WSVG. Oh, God. Glad I found you then. But uh, this whole war on drugs, this kind of burned me up for years. It's the biggest waste of money in the world. And... To, you know, to enforce laws that are taking away your most basic of civil liberties. I don't agree with I don't agree with hard drugs, cocaine, heroin. I would never touch it. Not my thing. But I'm sorry, that kills a lot less people than cigarettes, alcohol, it's prescription true. drugs, food. <laughs> You're right. Now this whole this whole thing in Mexico is disgusting, and it needs to stop. But the way it needs to stop is is like I told your call screener. Back in Prohibition times with alcohol, when did you see Al Capone and his type, before the Prohibition of alcohol, slaughtering each other over alcohol? Didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. And then after they repealed it, it hasn't happened since. It's the same way with drugs. They have created a crime problem. I was discussing this with my friend the other day. You know, anytime there's corruption, somebody's benefiting. I don't see, you know, obviously there's corruption, but I just don't see how they're benefiting from it. 
But if they were to stop this stupid war on drugs, those cartels down in Mexico and south of there would be shut down within a week or two. Absolutely. They, they would have no business. Yeah, there'd, there'd be nothing for them to do. I mean, I suppose they could go into prostitution or gambling guns. or running drugs. Uh, I mean, guns. excuse me, running guns, excuse me. They already but, are likely into but, some of those. Yeah, they're, they're probably into the, some of those things to some extent, but they'd have to dramatically change their business model. And many businesses, when faced with a, a, a dramatic change in their business model that quickly, just simply fail. Um, you know. Exactly. And if exactly. you legalize guns and you legalize prostitution and you legalize gambling, then they really would have nothing left. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, it sounds disgusting. I'm not into prostitution. I have a nice girlfriend, not my thing. But what what that is a victimless crime. And, you know, your bleeding heart women, like, oh, it's a, women are victims. I'm sorry, they made a choice. But either way, it's not a crime that affects me down the street. No. It's been around since the dawn of time. It's just like marijuana. Well, well now, marijuana point of information, real, real quick, Jericho, it, it, does affect, it does affect us. Uh, the, the fact that prostitution is illegal, the fact that drugs are illegal, and uh, you know that, that drugs being illegal creates the crime, which means that there's a chance that even though you're down the street, you may not be involved in cocaine, some crackhead may very well decide to uh, bust into your home or your car and you know steal some stuff, maybe hold you up at gunpoint or, or you know, yeah, hurt, your, you never know. hurt your wife. Yeah. Same thing with prostitution. Prostitution. I mean, uh, the, a lot of the people that are involved in that business are also likely to be uh, tied in with criminal enterprise, and that can result in uh, robberies yeah, and things like that. They're more likely to be enslaved for that reason. Um, also, uh, human yeah, slavery. That, that, yeah. Well, okay, on, on the line of prostitution, I can agree with you to that point. Is uh, Basically, is what I'm saying, your general prostitution, like in Vegas, it's legal out that way. And oh, they're yeah. tested. You know what I'm and they're yeah. tested and approved on a regular basis, so you know that exactly. they don't they don't carry exactly. diseases. Whereas prostitution prostitutes in other places aren't tested because they're scared to death of getting caught, and so they right. they don't have that kind of uh, you you don't have that kind of validation. And in Nevada, yeah. uh, the, because I, I don't think it's legal in Vegas necessarily, but the, most of the rest of Nevada it is. Uh, in Nevada, right. you go to the Bunny Ranch or you go to exactly. whatever the locations are. You go to the brothels to get the uh, your business taken care of. You don't have women walking the streets and uh, applying their wares out. Oh, you do. You do in Vegas. In though. Vegas, where it's illegal. <laughs> right, where but it's illegal. I'm talking, about, right. places, I'm talking about the See, places where saying, it's legal. I'm not saying make everything in the world legal. We need we need laws. We need sanity in the society. You know, but but is what burns me up is when they're you see them on TV these sting operations to bust prostitutes. Okay, where are our sting operations to put unregistered sex offenders behind bars? You don't see that. Well, you know, you know I'm saying we could spend more money on other things that make sense and just kind of relax on some others. You'd be surprised the success you would see. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, got, I, I agree that you could you could focus in other areas. I, I tend to uh, have some problems with the sex uh, sex offender registry thing. Uh, first off, the um, you know what they call a sex offense tends to be a very wide swath. Anytime you put the government yep. in charge of anything, they screw it up to a to a level that you never imagined possible. And so they have a 16-year-old kid who got oral sex from his 14-year-old girlfriend. He's a sex offender. Indeed. I don't buy that. That's, that's, right. and, and, yeah, that's wrong. Right. And, you know, there, there's the, that the real sex offenders that you need to worry about are not regulated enough. They don't, they, don't, they don't register on these things. They're supposed to, but they skip it all the time. And when they catch them, it's a slap on the wrist, and they go right back out. Well, they're not. I mean, 
they're not particularly common either. These regular sex offenders. Um, I mean, they certainly exist, but they're not uh, compared to the the kid that you're talking about or somebody who's uh, urinating in public or something like that. Those right. people aren't nearly as common. And so, even when they do put the registries out there and they put people, you know, put these little dots on a map, there's so many dots that you begin to, that they get it gets dizzyingly large and and people don't pay attention. Secondly, yeah. I think that registri- registries have a problem from a standpoint of sort of ex post facto. If um, if somebody committed a sex crime in 1985 and was released in 1995, and then um, these registries came into effect, they weren't sentenced to a lifetime of being registered on a on, on a government registry. Right. So that um, so that is a new sentence that is imposed upon them after they have been sentenced by a judge. And uh, all you know that to me seems uh, abhorrent and illegal. They should know what they've been sentenced to originally. Also, our justice system right. is so messed up from the get-go that um, the 99%, I'm not making this number up, 99% of people take plea bargains and don't take things to trial because they've had so many charges piled up on them they're or scared. they're scared of, uh, you know, uh, they don't have the money. They're, uh, they know that public right. defenders are nothing but plea bargaining machines. Um, you know, they... The if we could take the drugs out of the if we could take the drugs out of the system, then you probably would see more justice served. But you know their system for serving justice is broken. Out of jail, they'd have plenty of room for real criminals. I mean, there's no no argument to that. (laughs) Absolutely. Now let's let's look at it from this standpoint, though. When you'd put a criminal in prison, you're also uh, he's he's victimizing the victim twice because first time he victimized the victim, and then the victim has to pay to keep that guy in jail. I think many crimes, the the person could probably pay restitution or do some kind of some kind of something right. else. Um, I'm Rather not than sit in a cage. Fraud. Yeah, I'm not saying there's no room for prison. I, I think there is room for uh, for dangerous people being separated from society. I just uh, I, I think that our our judicial system and the prison industrial system are, are messed up in this country. I, I've got another oh, point I wanted to throw in. Oh, go ahead though. Your your thoughts. No, you go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Well, just on the whole issue of sex offenders, I understand what Mark is saying here uh, about the idea that, well, if they were sentenced to that ex post facto, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the idea of the registry is just abhorrent in general. It's very Scarlet Letter-esque, the idea that uh, they have to have this hanging over their head for the rest of their lives when many of them would maybe want to get on with their lives. We've talked to former sex offenders, so-called, who have families now, and they have moved on, and they're not all going to... To res- just to uh, res- recidivize, well, if you will. They're uh, not all going to do that. And the other thing is that the sex offender registries give parents a false sense of security. Go ahead, type your zip code into oh. the sex offender registry and look at your neighborhood. If it shows yeah. there aren't any sex offenders there, does that mean there aren't any people well, that will I'll, molest I'll your right children? I, I, have it, I, have it, I have it notify me automatically because if, if I can know that one's on my street, I would like to know. But I don't trust it, I can tell you that right now because most of them fail to register. That's not my point. Well, my point is you're only talking about people who've been caught for something. There are people out there that have not been caught that may live next door to you or three houses down that would never be registered, would never show up because they're just that good or they've never gotten caught or whatever. or They're, you know, molesting their uh, their 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 stepdaughter or whatever. They're not they have been caught. They're not on a registry. I mean, you're exactly right. That's why parents can't use this as a they should not use this as some sort of resource they can trust to to keep them safe or to keep their kids. Oh, it's okay, kids. You can go out and play now. You don't have to be concerned about anything happening. Uh, they, you got to be concerned about somebody you know. 
But, right, and that's the other good point is that the uh, the, the registries really, I mean, the, the guy, the creepy looking guy down the street isn't that likely to molest your son or daughter. Who's more likely is mom or dad or Not uncle. Not mom or dad. Or Generally stepmom, stepdad. Or stepfather or grandfather or something like that. <laughs> or your priest, you know. That too. But, Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. I don't know. I mean, I, I think we're on the same track. That I think so. Right now, the, the country is just screwed up. And it's the government. It is the government. You are right about that, Jericho. I'm glad you're out there. Thanks for finding the show. Call us back some other time. Anytime you have something you want to share, we'll be happy to talk to you. And as I said, we're on there in Mount Jackson on WSVG every night. I think they actually take us all six nights a week, three hours a night, 7 to 10 Eastern time. So uh, join us again. 800-259-9231. We continue. Here we go. Third hour coming up. Plenty of time for your calls about what you want. This is Free Talk Live. American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson, Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to AppleseedInfo.org. That's AppleseedInfo.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com as we roll into the third hour of the program, taking your phone calls about anything. If we get a chance, I've got stuff about this whole healthcare thing, but it's open phones on Free Talk Live anytime, so you never know where things are going to go. In fact, we continue with your phone calls here. But first, the world's largest machine gun shoot and military gun show. It's happening again April 9th, 10th, and 11th at Knob Creek Gun Range. It's fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent. Really? doesn't get much better than that, does it? <laughs> Helicopter well, rides. there is the grand finale where they shoot tracer rounds into giant barrels of diesel fuel. It just doesn't get much better than the uh, the, the, the Knob Creek gun range. Uh, helicopter rides, 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. Opens at 9 a.m., 10 bucks per person to get in. KnobCreekRange.com. That's KnobCreekRange.com. As we continue with your phone calls, Mike Barsky is with us on the amp line and on the road. Mike, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, Mark and Ian. I am uh, driving my motorhome out west from New Hampshire, and I uh, have some pretty scary cop encounters today that I wanted to like briefly tell and then talk about something I might be changing my mind about. Okay, please. <laughs> Okay, so the first, uh, in, in uh, Kansas here, I got pulled over by a cop just outside of a toll booth, and he told me he pulled me over because I didn't get out of the fast lane quick enough. It was like a couple hundred yards. So my, I'm thinking he, it was his excuse to, uh, to pull over an out-of-state license plate on a big searchable vehicle. Mm-hmm. So he pulled me over and asked me, you know, some questions, and, and uh, you know, I didn't open the door when he wanted and that probably pissed him off. And then he, uh, you know, he ended up giving me a warning and then said, you're free to go. And I said, okay, goodbye. And, and um, by the way, I was at his car at that time. I had walked back to give him my registration. So he said, by the way, can I ask you some questions? Okay. So do you have any drugs or marijuana or oh, anything no. illegal in that vehicle? 
And I said, no. And if someone, uh, and, and then he said, so can I search it? And I said, no, this is my home. He said, okay, well, why don't you stand over there on the side of the road? I'm going to call my, my uh, colleague who has a drug dog to sniff it. I'm all, what? What are you talking wait, about? Wait, wait, Mike, point of information. This is all because you said yes to him asking you questions. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's because they want to sniff an out-of-state large vehicle, uh, or search it, I should say, and they're using any excuse possible. So I didn't, I said, yes, I'll answer your questions, and I answered. But then, you know, I said, no, I don't have anything illegal. But then he said, can I search your car? And I said, no. Mm-hmm. Then he said, okay, I'm going to bring out the, the drug dog. So he brought out, you know, we waited 10 minutes. He brought out a drug dog. Um, and while waiting, I uh, was so out of shape and nervous, by the way, because I didn't know if there were any warrants out for me. It turns out there's not. But um, that when he, was ma- when he was fishing for information, I'm foolishly, talk to him as small talk, and I realized I ended up telling him, yes, I just bought this tow dolly uh, to tow a car. Uh, no, I am unemployed, and he already suspects me of drugs because he's getting the dog, so now I realize, holy crap, just in small talk, uh, this guy now knows that I spent a lot of money even though I don't have an income. So yeah. I was... Yeah, you know, they try to be nicey nice to uh, to yeah, you. They absolutely. Pretend like they're so your is... buddy as they investigate you to try find reasons to arrest you. And you know the funny thing about all this, and and I totally understand where you're coming from, Mike, because it's so difficult to do this stuff. Uh, we Very. talk about it, we theorize about it, we discuss the possibilities, we know what they do, we know their tactics, we've studied it, we've studied them, but when the pressure's on. Uh, it, it, it's difficult to keep your composure. It's difficult to uh, to remember to not answer the questions and to uh, to stand your ground. And you, you know, the reason I say this is kind of funny because you're one of the guys who put together some of the uh, the police. What, what were they called? Uh, the the heads. Uh, pr- Pimp sessions. Uh, practice Pimp. makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Pimp my activism. These uh, sessions where people came to, and you were like the leader explaining how to do these things. And so I'm totally with you, man. Sometimes I find look I, back on myself interacting with the police. I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah, I totally need to do another session when I get back because I'm out of practice. However, the story gets far worse, and I'm actually rethinking my tactics too. So he ends up giving me a warning, not a ticket, for pulling not pulling out of the lane fast enough. And the drug didn't trig- the drug dog didn't trigger, and so they let me go. So I'm driving away, and about an hour later, still in Kansas, another cop pulls up behind me for two three minutes, and then pulls me over. <laughs> and he says it's because I'm weaving in the lane. And I said, "Come on, man, it's really windy. This thing's huge. I'm driving a motorhome." Yeah. And I never left the lane, but he said you got kind of close to that line, so I thought I'd be over. So he ends up giving me a warning for pulling over and a ticket for not having insurance, which you're required to in New in Kansas, even though I told him I wasn't required to in New Hampshire. Ludicrous. And, and what was that? I say that's ludicrous that uh, yeah. he would ticket you and, for that. Okay, and then he says, okay, you're free to go. And I said, you know, I had learned a little from an hour ago. I had not been talking small talk. He tried a few times, and I, when he said you're free to go, I said, okay, goodbye. And I started closing my window, and he said, do you mind asking a few questions? And I said, why? <laughs> do you suspect me of a crime? And he said, uh, do you have any drugs, uh, large sums of money, guns, anything illegal in your car? And I said, no. And he said, can I search your car? And I said, no. He said, okay, step out of the car. I'm going to have my dog sniff it. And I said, what? Are you kidding? You're, a Kansas cop just did this an hour ago and found nothing, and you don't suspect me of a crime, and you told me I could go. What are you doing? And um, this, by the way, right here in this story is well, what wait, I he didn't. Talk- hold on. We can continue the story in a moment. But he didn't say he didn't suspect you of a crime. He didn't uh, answer that question, right? 
Right. And I wonder if what what would he have done if when he asked you, because they both asked you, can I ask yeah. you some questions after they told you that you were all set and all right. free to go? I wonder right. what he would have done if you just simply said something like, you know what, I've got a pl- I've got somewhere to be. Have a nice day. Well, that's that's actually my question. And so I guess if you want, I'll get to the scary story later. And let's just talk about that. Um, well, no, you, was, can, you can go wherever you want, man. I mean, we can talk to you. Here. Okay, well, I'll, I want to come back to that because that is my question. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to summarize the scary story instead of dramatize it, but let me tell you, I'm still shaking, and it was like two hours ago. Wow. So I end up outside, you know, sitting on the weeds on the freeway while they're searching my car because he brought a dog, a sniffy, dog sniffer out, and they triggered it. Oh, jeez. He said, I'm going to search your car. Right, so the first rem- dog didn't trigger, but this one did. Right. right, and I told him that, and he didn't care. And also, remember when he first asked me the questions, did I have uh, anything illegal, guns, large sums of money in the car? And yeah. I said, no, I had all of it. Oh, boy. So, yeah. So he's now searching my car. Um, meanwhile, I had been calling Fork 4 and one and so I was receiving calls from people, from activists. Thank you. And one of them, uh, my, a good friend of mine, said, you know, called me to tell me, you know, he was irate that cops would be searching my car after they said I was free to go. It's illegal, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he said he wanted to talk to the cop as my legal counsel. So I told the cop that. The cop took my phone, hung up, and then kept my phone so I could not have any more Oh, calls. man. Now he's searching my car and for my, my motorhome, my home, actually. I live in this thing. And I'm on the grass. And he comes out one thing at a time and says, so you don't have any large sums of money, right? I said, no, just, you know, just those stuff in my wallet. He says, so if I found $5,000 uh, bundled up in 1000s that wouldn't be yours. And, I, and then I realized, oh, crap, I did just withdraw that on Thursday from the bank. Uh, and I, you know, and I, but I can prove it. I have a receipt. He goes, let me see the receipt. I said, okay, so it's right over here. I'm looking through my stack. And then I realized, oh, crap. I didn't use a withdrawal slip, so the bank used uh, a temporary check, and the canceled check will be my receipt, which I don't have. Mm. So I didn't have proof of that. Then they found, they found my oh, postal God. scale, which I used for mail to jail, and they <laughs> thought I was using it to measure out weed. Then they found um, my guns, and, oh. <laughs> which, I told, yeah, which I told them I didn't have. Then they found all my precious metal, which is oh, a, a large sum of money. And they also uh, made some comments about the route I was taking to get where I was going, and they were the all of it. Route. I admit, I disagree with the drug war, but I admit it looks suspicious from a cop's point of view. It was getting worse and worse and worse. And you'd already lied to the cops because you'd answered their questions earlier when you did the right turn. Not really. He said, do you have, um, you know, what what Barsky said um, was the way he said it is, do you have anything illegal in here? Guns, um, large sums of money. And the fact is, large sums of money aren't illegal. And guns from New Hampshire. They'll take your money. No, they're not illegal. They charge their money with a crime. illegal. They charge the money with a crime. They are doing it illegally. They are criminal. They're they are criminal gang stealing money. They, yes. A large but, sum of money is not illegal Mark, in the United decide. States of America. They decide what's illegal. No, not no, you. They, no, they don't. Yes, they'll, they the, do. They'll the take your damn not, money. No, right. They'll, they'll lie and they'll twist the law. But the law was not written that large sums of money are illegal. I'll tell you what. Also, we'll guns. On, in New, Mike, you on. can drive guns through a state that um, uh, you know that are legal in your state and legal to where you're going. And so Kansas has no say in that. 1-800-259-9231. You could certainly say that Mike wouldn't know necessarily what is and what is not illegal, but better to not answer those questions, Mark. Period. 1-800-259-9231. At least that's what I think. We'll see what Mike thinks here in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. 
you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. So enjoy those on us including our webcam. You can go watch and listen to the show, interact with other listeners, because we've got our chat room there on the same page. Go to cam.freetalklive.com. It's free, of course. That's cam.freetalklive.com. Now then, what if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? Well, I did. It's happening, and you can be a part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Dot org. This is where the action is. People like uh, our guest on the uh, – he's not a guest. He just called in. But uh, Mike Barsky is with us. We held him over through the break. One of the uh, early movers of the Free State Project and also known as Cop Bait uh, because he's frequently pulled over by the police, apparently not just in New Hampshire where we live, but also you're on the road now, Mike, driving a motorhome across the country. Uh, and you've been pulled over twice in one day in uh, in Kansas First time, in one hour. Right. The first time, the cop uh, asked you some questions, uh, then decided to pull out a drug dog and run it around the, the vehicle. The dog did not alert. An hour later, you get pulled over again. And both times you were told after some you know ch- checking of your ID, etc., and ticketing, you were told you were free to go. And then they asked if they could uh, ask you some questions. You allowed them to. Uh, you didn't really give them a whole bunch of information, but nonetheless, they then decided to bring out a drug dog again the second time. This time, it's a to- totally different cop. Uh, they bring out the dog again. This time, the dog alerts. Of course, nothing has changed about your RV in the in the last nope. hour. And uh, so they go inside and start searching around. They find that you've got a gun. They find that you've got a, a postal scale, which you use for mail-to-jail.com, which is a great website. Uh, they find that you've got some cash. And, I'm glad uh, I don't need that website tonight. You might. Yeah. Uh, so I'm what was the rest of your? Are, are you out of Kansas? No, I'm. I'm not stopping this motorhome till I get out. Though it's like <laughs> three more hours. What? Uh, what was the rest of the story? They found all this stuff, and then what? Okay, as they found it, he came. As they found each suspicious item, he came out and said, "Well, I found this. What's your story?" And I had an explanation because, of course, I'm not drug trafficking. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, you know all these pieces together seemed really suspicious. I admit, and so the short of it, I guess, is that I kept. Talking. I kept telling them personal information. Yes, I run a website, so I need to scale. Yes, I go to this bank. Yes, I'm going to this part of Utah, so I took this route. And I was trying to be polite, and I was trying to give them what they wanted instead of protecting my rights. And at the very end, the cop said, look, this is a ridiculous story, but I do believe you. Um, and then something weird happened, which we'll talk about later if you want. But then he let me go. So and no, one more thing. While I was um, on the grass while he was searching, um, a bunch of activists called me. Oh, I think I told you that. And one of them wanted to talk to the cop as my legal counsel because basically after the cop tells you you're free to go, you don't have to answer any more questions. So my You don't ever my, have to answer any questions. Well, I know you don't. Uh, well, that's actually that's part of my quandary, too. Yeah. So I felt, first of all, I was real scared about being arrested in Kansas, nowhere near anyone with my home here and every single belonging. Uh, that would be confiscated by the cops. Right. I, that was really scary to me. So I was trying to comply. Now, I don't blame I felt, you. Well, if I felt that when he said, "Here's your ticket. You're free to go." By the way, can I ask you some questions? I felt that if I said, "No, see ya," or you know, somewhat friendly or whatever, if he wanted to sniff my car, he would have pulled me over again and sniffed it. 
Right, but they did it anyway, right? I mean, you said uh, you said yes, you answered the questions, and they they sniffed and you out anyway. anyway. Right. Um, so, so you have nothing to lose in that case. Well, in this, uh, yeah. you, you never. But what would have happened if he would have done the situation as uh, Barsky says, and he decided, you know what? I hate this guy. I don't like what he's saying. I'm going to take his five grand, and I'm going to. I think that you can do good, Barsky, with uh, with sugar. I think that there are times that you could say, you mean, look, b- b- I'm really in a hurry, officer. I don't have time to uh, to answer any questions. I've got to go. Yeah. But I, you know, uh, have a great day. I think there's. Right. A, I think That's it's a possibility. No, you're not. You're saying, ah, oh, screw you, pig. That's not what I'm saying. When did I say I that? Because that's how. That's the attitude. That's that is the sound not my of your attitude. Voice. That is not my attitude. I said earlier when we were having a conversation, you could say something to the effect of, "No, I appreciate you asking, but I've got to be on my way. I have somewhere to be." I didn't say be mean about it. I didn't say be nasty. I I advocate approaching the police with love and with uh, compassion and forgiveness, Mark. So what the hell are you talking about? That's what it sounded like to me. Well, you, you don't need talk to get to these didn't... people. They're dangerous. Don't talk to them. That's not what I said, Mark. Garski, go ahead. I didn't get that from Ian either, that he was trying Thank to be you. mean. But regardless, Screw if you, Barsky. you, if you my, my, <laughs> my question is still, though, if, if, see, if what, I was scared about being molested or kidnapped, I guess. And so when the cops said, can I ask you more questions, I said yes, and it resulted in a search. I was thinking if I said no, it might have. Mm. However, what if I had said no and drove off? Um, uh, well, I guess my point is, no matter which way I answer, the cop could or could not have searched. There's it's like true. No That's pretty out. much true. And and so I just, uh, I just, it's, I don't know. Maybe I just feel violated or still scared or something. Yeah. I just don't know what to do anymore. Right. Uh, you know, there's, there's. <laughs> Barsky, there's no magic bullet to no. this one. Each of these officers is going to do whatever they want to do. Each one of these people is going to do whatever they want to do. And you can uh, treat them with love and respect or treat them poorly. And they're probably still going to do what they want to do. And I think you're going to be better off by being as kind as you can and trying to be as, un- you know, uh, you know, uh, make them understand I've got a real life here and right. I don't have time to play with you on the side yeah. of the road. Right. Be kind, I, but refuse, I think. And if you right. look at what Pete, did you see Pete Ayer's video? that we talked about last week on the show where he where he turned down uh, showing cops an ID and just walked away from them. Did you see that video? No, I did not. Oh, it's a great example of this, uh, kind of the same uh, area of discussion. Obviously, we're not dealing with a vehicle situation, but he was dealing with two intimidating cops with their hands on their guns. Uh, you can go to uh, copblock.org. You probably have to scroll okay. down a little bit, but they've got the video there. You can uh, you can watch it. And the cops are, telling, are lying to him. They're saying you have to show your ID and he he says, well, is that the law? And uh, Which I don't think is the best question to ask, but uh, the cop, of course, is always going to say yes to that question. If, if the cop makes a claim and you say, well, is that the law, or is, am I legally required to do that, the cops will always say yes. So even though the yeah. cops were saying, yes, you're legally required to show you ID, Pete was able to essentially tell them, well, I'd like to leave now. Uh, I don't uh, believe this is, uh, I don't believe I have to show you ID. I'd like to be on my way. Goodbye. And he turns around and walks away from the cop. Now, it hold was on. amazing. Wait, wait, right, but but turning and walking away from a cop is an entirely different story than getting into your vehicle and driving away from a no, cop. No, it's not yes, that it much absolutely different is. because, because the a police told officer him he was free to go. But a police officer, when dealing with somebody in a car, uh, if you don't, you know, if you get in and, and go away, then you're talking about a high speed chase situation. He was they told can drag he was free you out of that car by your hair Mark, and kick you, you to sleep. Attention? I'm telling you something already. Were you Look, paying attention? Does he have it on tape? 
Yes. Barsky does? Yes. He had, we listened to the Pork 411. So, so, so what? The, I mean, the, the cop can, when it comes to a car, they can do whatever they want. They can when do whatever they foot, want to Pete. They what, patted you, the man down. They could do Mark, whatever they want. No. I'm not advocating you run from the cops. I'm saying you say something. If they say you're free to go. He's going to pull him again. For, He'd have pulled him you're over again. You're speculating. You don't know that. It's, you don't know that. They could have run after it. Pete and smashed his head into the pavement. No, they could have done they that. Cannot. Sure you, they could. He what? had a gun on his hip. They could have said he went for his gun. They ran at him. That would have been lying. They, they lie all the time. What world are you living in, dude? You are ludicrous tonight. Walking is different than driving, I'll allow you to respond to this nonsense here in a moment. Hang on. 800-259-9231. It's not any different because, as you said, the cops will do whatever it is they want to do. Why not quietly exit the situation when given the opportunity? Why not? Because they don't like it. So you're going to just stick around and hang out with them because they'd like that? More coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. If you've got some uh, thoughts, add them in. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. As the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And again, join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. Again, that is freetalklive.com. We've got news updates. You go and get signed up. We'll uh, send you updates to your email box, or you can get them via Twitter or Facebook, whatever it is that works best for you. Go to news.freetalklive.com and get on our lists, news.freetalklive.com. How soon do you want to start teaching that child special to you about the ideas of liberty? I figured I couldn't start soon enough. An Island Called Liberty is a picture book for children, and I read it to Jack all the time. It's kind of like Rothbard meets Dr. Seuss. It's a simple story. It's simple story, graceful rhymes, and beautiful illustrations on every page. You'll make it one of any child's favorites. Go to freemarketunderdog.com and see some samples there and order today. Get a 10% discount for listeners of Free Talk Live with coupon code FTL. An Island Called Liberty at freemarketunderdog.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We've got Mike Barsky with us here, uh, somebody who is fairly experienced at dealing with the police uh, getting pulled over, but uh, practice does make perfect. And Barsky, you've had a lot of practice, though. Today you're admitting that uh, there was, uh, at least I think you believe some mistakes were made, as I tend to uh, make mistakes every time I interact with the police. It, I get I get better a little bit uh, over time, but you've had a lot more practice than I have. And so we're talking about some tactics and some uh, some different ways of approaching these things. Even you are questioning your own approach here as a result of some of the experiences that you've uh, that you've had today and just to bring well, the, our, go ahead the, the tactic you take depends on the outcome you want or at least the outcome you want to try for well the and outcome today, you're willing to accept i think is also important well, right true and today i or yeah today i i was really not wanting to get arrested in this way way far away from activists with all my belongings in the possession of the police so absolutely i i, I realized there was a lot of luck involved but being nice and telling the cops what they wanted to know, I think, is what got me out of a really potentially serious, you know, situation. And uh, I'm not happy that I did it. I'd like to think that if the exact same thing happened while I was in New Hampshire, I would be okay with standing up for my rights more, knowing that I'd have the support of activists to come get my motorhome or to get my belongings yeah. or whatever. Right, right. I, and I don't blame you for but doing. I don't, I don't blame you for doing what you did today. 
Uh, but I think the discussion is still relevant here because not everybody listening is in New Hampshire or plans to be in New Hampshire, but they still may be interested in standing up for themselves and standing up for their rights. So I understand that if you know you don't want to take any risks whatsoever, that uh, you know it feels like it might be the right thing to do to do whatever the cops tell you to. But on the other hand, I don't know if that's necessarily the case because if you compare us, uh, you compare stories, you compare situations. In the example of Pete Eyre from CopBlock.org, where he was accosted by the police on the street, they never told him he was free to go. He asked them straight out if he was free to go, and they never admitted that he was free to go. When in point of fact, he was free to go because it was a contact. He wasn't pulled over. He was just approached on the street. So at any point, he could leave. But they wouldn't admit that to him. You were told that you were free to go, and then the cop asked, this was after they investigated you, ran your license, and uh, wrote you the ticket. They told you you were free to go. Then the cop just asked if you would answer some questions. You decided yeah. to stay and answer them because you were being very, uh, you know, giving towards the police and giving them what they wanted. Mark is saying yep. that that's what you should do every time because if you don't I'm not do saying it, that at all, dude. All I'm saying is you need to be kind and um, you never know right. what these people are going to do. So kindly leave the situation as soon as you possibly he can. You probably would have just pulled him over again. That's your speculation. You have no evidence for and that. When he, uh, right. I have no evidence for it. You have no evidence for your conjecture either. You're just giving an example. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not conjecturing you- anything. I'm not saying what would or wouldn't have happened. I'm saying if you're told by a cop if you're free to go, go ahead and take his advice and leave. Get the F out of there. And, and then immediately he followed it up with, hey, can I? Can you answer some questions for me? I think No that- thanks. I'm on my way now. Goodbye. I appreciate it. Have a nice day. Yeah, I, I think you, you can it, be nice about leaving. Right. Get out of the cops' vision. Right. Get away. Do you care to do you, do you care to speculate what would have happened to Mike Barsky's five thousand dollars that he found in the vehicle that time if he would have decided yeah. to pull him over? There's the chance that he would not have been pulled over and never have been searched had he said no and just walked away and left. And you know, if you're scared about being followed, then go find the next uh, whatever and pull over there and chill out for a while. Mommy, Daddy, are you guys getting a divorce? I would like to divorce this guy, please. <laughs> Uh, actually, I think you're both right on various points, and that's why I'm so confused now, because I used to have a much stronger stance. Um, I think Mark is right that, obviously, with people in general, if you're nicer, you're going to get your way more. Yeah. However, Ian's right in that, and I didn't realize this until a second ago, that I, uh, uh, cops and government is arbitrary. So I should, you know, if presented with the chance to leave, I should take it. Yes, they may still pull me over. They may, if I don't, anyway. Right. So, they, you got searched because you were doing whatever they wanted. I'm not saying don't be nice. I'm saying right. be respectful. You have to be respectful. These people have power. They have guns. They have dogs. They have cages. So it's smart to be respectful. It's smart to be nice. It's smart to be courteous. And it's also smart yeah. to get the hell out of there as soon as you possibly can. There's a difference between being nice and bending over and doing everything the cop wants you to do. I mean, if the cop yeah. says, all right, Mike, uh, you know, now that you've answered some questions, I'd like you to pull your pants down. Yeah. You know? I mean, is it nice to go ahead and pull your pants down? No, it's bending over for them. It's doing everything they want from you when you don't have to. You have the option right. to leave, take it. And take yeah, it nicely. That's a good point. There was the fear factor, but you're right. As long as you can muster the courage, I think that's the best. So, uh, Barsky, do you, do you believe that this police officer used discretion in dealing with you and not taking that $5,000 that he found from you and not running you in for those guns that he found in your in your home, in your motorhome? Well, discretion's an interesting uh, question in this case, because before all the searching happened and he gave me a ticket for not having insurance, 
I said, oh, come on, please. You don't, it's not required in New Hampshire. I'm just passing through your state for one day. Can't you use your discretion? Can't you let this go? No, I can't do it. There's a law. I've got to do it. And then um, when he's searching my car and going through my possessions without me being able to watch, including, you know, my, my gold coins and, my, my, and cash, uh, Federal Reserve notes, uh, he could have taken anything. In fact, he still could have. I haven't even counted yet. He could have planted something if he uh, if he'd wanted to. And point of information, Mark, what would he have been charged with had he been taken in for the gun? What? Um, probably. Uh, well, it doesn't matter what you, they charge him. He, they could ruin his day. They That's could ruin I'm his saying. day. What you I'm pointing think, out here is you don't think that the police officer could take him in just for having guns? You have, they absolutely could give him all kinds of trouble. Maybe, maybe not. It depends. He's allowed on, to transport guns through a state. Depends I, on the jurisdiction, right? I mean, maybe you didn't. Maybe you. Maybe he was just intimidating you, and the fact that you only had five thousand dollars wasn't enough to trigger any sort of level of uh, of confiscation, or the gun wasn't illegal. Uh, it's you, it's a possibility that you just happened to not have violated any of their laws, so they uh, they just decided to let it go while at the same time intimidating you. I mean, if he'd found an AK-47, a uh, modified AK-47 hanging up in there, you oh, think he would have acted different. yeah, differently? Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. And if he'd found well, $10,000, maybe he would have acted differently then. I don't know. Maybe 5000 is below a certain limit. Maybe it wasn't worth his while. Or maybe you're right. Maybe appeasing him was the right thing to do. And, of course, we're all speculating It's here. all speculation. Uh, and it would, what would have been interesting is that you actually had the opportunity to do things differently. The first cop asked you to ask, uh, answer some questions. You did that. The second time, you could have found out what happened had you said no. And then you would have been able to call us and say, well, I said yeah. no the second time, and I walked away, and I got away with it. Or I said no the second yeah. time, and then they pulled me over a third time. But it's Still, yeah, I did. Um, I did improve my my. I was I was more pleased with my behavior the second time. I did learn from the first, but I just wasn't courageous enough to say no. I'm going to be on my way now. Thanks for asking. And it's hard, uh, especially once you get used to having an activist network backing you up like you have here in New Hampshire. I don't blame you for you know stepping uh, taking it down a notch because I wouldn't want to be in that position either, being out in the middle of nowhere and uh, yeah. and and being at their mercy. But at the same time, I I think I would have taken the opportunity uh, to get out. But then again, that's just me speculating too. I mean, I wasn't in your situation, so I can't really right. you know, say, well, I would have done this and that. Well, thanks for letting me share and for giving me your opinions. You know, well, I hope that uh, it was useful for our listeners, and uh, if they have experience in these areas, I'd love to hear from them. Maybe they could uh, chime in with what happened if they walked away when they were told they were free to go. What sort of consequences did they have? Was any, Is anybody out there listening, have you been in a similar situation to some of the speculation we've been uh, involving ourselves in? And if so, what can you share about your experiences? As always, Mike, and- I appreciate you sharing yours with us. And I do think there uh, – I disagree with Mark. I do think there's a difference between pedestrians and in a car. No, I was saying that there, there is a There difference. is a difference. Mark was saying there is a yeah. difference. And I agree. There is a difference. On the street, okay. you actually absolutely have the uh, the right to walk away at any time regardless of the questions they're asking you unless they say they're detaining you or putting you under arrest. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a contact. Things are a little different on the side of the road with a car. There's no doubt about that. But a, if a cop tells you you're free to go, you are free to go. Otherwise, they wouldn't tell you that. Thanks for the call, man. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but enough time for your call. If you make it now to 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you. So enjoy those on us. You can listen to the show in various different ways at listen.freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, our webcam, listen lines. It's all there for you. And it's all free. 
Listen.freetalklive.com. Hey, you like the fact that we give you those streams for free? Well, maybe you should buy something over at Amazon.freetalklive.com. It's a great way to get the stuff you are needing, the stuff you are wanting in life as well, because they have dozens of categories, used items, even, of course, brand new, where you can, if you order brand new, get free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of their products. Go to Amazon.freetalklive.com as we go to your phone calls. Dave is in Montana. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I think Dave. you ran into some honorable cops because, Why? like, because they get he talking to you on the phone right now. He's got his money, he's got his guns and his gold, man. Yeah, I suppose they're not as bad as they could have been. Well, uh, look what they're doing to us in this uh, medical thing, right? That, I, but they I still was, uh, waylaid him, Dave. They still held him on the side of the road for who knows how long as they took in the, a dog well, around his car and searched it. They didn't it. find no weed either. They didn't find nothing, so they were honorable to him. They, you know, they they trusted him. Just because they didn't steal his stuff, I don't know if that makes them honorable. I bet you if, I bet you if they found like a roach clip or, you know, like a... A bong or something, then it'd be a different story. You're probably right. You're probably right. You know, but anyway, uh, I was listening before you guys were talking about like religion, the drug war, yes, sir. and and so the I was thinking about the new religion with this uh, like the medical thing is like the Church of Insurance. Man, you got to pay the Church of Insurance now to access the the medical stuff. You know? Yeah, mandatory now, right? Yeah, and. And then, uh, like, the drug war, you know, like, uh, it only took seven uh, people to die for prohibition. 4,000 people die a year in a drug war. Only seven people die during alcohol prohibition? I don't believe well, it. Well, the St. Uh, Valentine's Day massacred seven people. Oh, you mean died. in one and incident? That, and they got okay. all upset over I was going to say, seven people doesn't count anybody else that would have died in gang shootings or from, uh, you know, improperly created right. uh, liquor. How much okay. it happens today? So the the drug war is just uh, underground money being moved around. We know all about it with the Contra Iran affair and all that. But uh, and then this uh, medical plan. I was thinking some funny stuff. You were talking about prostitution, and mm-hmm. I think uh, the prostitution should be included in this medical plan. <laughs> and instead of calling them houses of prostitution, we could call them prostate wellness centers. <laughs> You know, and uh, and then everybody could get get. You know, I'd be I'd be nice about it, but anyway, that's a lovely idea, Dave. Might as yeah. well. I mean, they've already thrown in everything but the kitchen. Yeah, they've thrown right, so. everything else. You know, and plus, you know, the prostate is a money maker now. That's all you hear on the radio about the prostate. The prostate. I don't know. You know they still got the colon cleanse stuff out there, don't they? Yeah, you know, but that too. ain't as, as they ain't pushing it like they're pushing the prostate these days. I wouldn't they're know. Ma- I don't listen to that crap. Do you actually listen to those shows? Well, well it's on. It's on on all the commercials, you know. Right, right. The I, saw palmetto pills and things like that. Beta yeah, prostate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But that was a little humor to lighten things up. I think you guys really love each other, man, because you sound like my family sometimes. <laughs> when you're talking to each other, you know. Thank so, you, Dave. And, you, appreci- and yes. you only get upset with the people you care about, you know? That's true. I'm trying to help, Mark. It's really... I like to hey, describe my Hey, relation. no, he's right, and, and you're right. You're both right, you know, because you got to deal with the man at the at the moment. I don't carry no ID on me, you know? 
So Even when, when they you ask me, no, when, when they ask me, where's your idea? I said, I don't got any. And then they say, what do you mean? I said, I don't have to have it on I me. Mean, I said, my name is Dave. How you doing? <laughs> Dave, how you doing? <laughs> and, and I say, go ahead, look it up on your computer. You got the computer. I say, go on over there. I'll tell you my number. You want hmm. my number? But they tell me on the card that I'm not supposed to use it for ID, but I guess you'll go along with that. We'll break that rule for you, I said. It says it, on your card in Montana you're a driver's well, license? Well, no, no, the, the Social Security. Oh, number. the cops ask you for your social security number? Well, no, because when, you know, usually they do for your ID, you know, because, you mm. know, they, you, really? so I tell them, I say, hey, I say, go to your computer, look up David, Re-, you know, my my yeah. name. I said, and I, I said, I'll even tell you my number. And, and they tell me, and I tell him, and on the card it says don't use for ID, but I say, I'll break the rule for you. I'll tell you, you, you want my, my social security number, you know, <laughs> and, and the, I make friends with the guy, you know, or whatever. Yeah, there's no reason to be mean. I, there's no reason to be mean or angry. And they, they certainly give people reason to be angry. I mean, we had plenty of reason over the weekend when they were arresting our friends for, uh, for cannabis and for having a video camera and being in the street and, uh, standing in front of a cop car. Well, but um, then you're tempting their job too. Their job is to make sure people don't smoke pot or whatever. Well, their job is supposed to be to protect, uh, you know, protect and serve, but clearly, uh, the, really, they're just protecting but and serving the state. The whole the thing states, about so. cannabis is is disgraceful, man. This plant it is. will feed you, clothe you, and house you. The, the get high part is nothing compared to the uses and 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 uh, the woes that it could mend in this world. So true, Dave. As always, I thank you for your call tonight and your thoughts at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Hey, since we've been talking about uh, cops. Here's a story for you uh, from our very own New Hampshire. Newcastle's former police chief began serving four months in jail. Now, you got to do something pretty serious <laughs> yeah. to... Uh, he missed... A, he, he got some some people very upset at him. Yeah, to... Some to, powerful people. Right, because normally the police protect one another, and it's very rare that they'll actually spend any kind of... if they Even if they do get in trouble, which is rare enough, uh, it's rare, even more rare that they uh, will actually have to go to jail. But four months in jail for the former police chief of Newcastle, New Hampshire, for stealing roughly $8,000 from a food drive fund that he helped run with the Coast Guard. So he was embezzling money from poor people, basically, from a charity. Mm. James Murphy, and it's just more example, just another example, as though you needed another one, that the the scum rises to the top of uh, of the police world, of the uh, the authoritarian structures. It, we've heard it time and time again from cops that are retired. They will tell you that the bad guys get promoted. James Murphy, 53, told Judge Tina Nadeau during his plea and sentencing hearing that he was ashamed of the thefts. Well. He's sorry because he got caught, of course, which totaled more than $8,600 from 2001 to 2004. Murphy, who pleaded guilty, apparently the salary, the sweet salary and all the bennies that he got as the police chief wasn't good enough. He had to embezzle money from, uh, you know, uh, from poor people. The amount you make is never good enough if, uh, you know, if that's your nature. Murphy, who pleaded guilty to a felony theft charge, said the crime essentially ruined his life. He said, I shamed my profession. And I've lost many friends in Newcastle. I've basically become a pariah. I lost friends, my home, my marriage, and basically all of it was my own doing. 
you know, at least he's accepting responsibility. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty strong. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. Nadeau told lawyers in the case she was reluctant to accept the sentence recommendation by prosecutors. His deal included receiving a 12-month jail sentence with eight months of it suspended. If he were to get in trouble again within the next three years, prosecutors could impose the rest of the sentence. Assistant Attorney General Benjamin Agati said Murphy's sentence was partially based on other New Hampshire police officers who were convicted of theft-related crimes. One of those cases was in May of 2008. When a former D.A.R.E. officer from the Woodstock Police Department received a six-month jail sentence after being caught stealing $15,000, according to Agati, Murphy's admission... Well, I had a friend who went to prison for two years for stealing a backpack worth 300 So it goes to show that the cops are still getting special treatment. Mm. Uh, Agati said Murphy's admission once he was confronted about the thefts was a mitigating factor in recommending his sentence. Nadeau said she was unhappy with the sentence but did not want to undermine the months of negotiations done by lawyers from both sides. The defense lawyer suggested that his client and the public shame Murphy is already enduring cost him dearly. Uh, And he's going to have to leave the town. I mean, that's for sure. He's incredibly devastated by this. He took full responsibility. He described the felony theft conviction as a first smudge on a distinguished 28-year law enforcement career. Yeah, but if he was embezzling money yeah. from, the, I mean, from that, them, what I, else I don't is he go doing? for that. What that says to me is that uh, you know this is a guy that's been getting away with a lot for a very yeah. long time. If he felt like he could take a grand out of a, uh, a food uh, drive, right, of a food drive fund and stick it in his pocket and not have any any uh, problems with it, I mean, people don't steal, uh, you know, for the first time in their mid fifties. That doesn't make much sense to me. Generally, had he been convicted at trial, so he took a plea deal, uh, he could have faced seven and a half to fifteen years in state prison. 1-800-259-9231. So yet another story of yet it, another cop as far as I'm being concerned, dirty. If he paid the money back, especially with a punitive amount, and then uh, you know four months in in jail for that amount of money, I, plus the the incredible amount of ostracism and uh, you know the humility he showed here, I I don't have a big problem with the sentence. Um, I don't know what he's paid back. I wonder if he's still getting his pension. Uh, th- yeah, I, I, that, that crossed my mind. I mean, I'm not sure if he retired or if he was kicked out as a result of this. It's not made clear in the story, but just curious. Because if he's getting his pension, it shouldn't be a big deal for him to pay that back. Because pensions for government bureaucrats tend to be pretty sweet. All right, we're out of time. Spinning in here with you. And Mark. All right, we'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. Getting a mortgage without a down payment or just refinancing your home can be tough right now. But if you've served in the U.S. Armed Forces, Reserves, or National Guard, it doesn't have to be. I'm Tim Lewis of iFreedom Direct. After serving in Operation Iraqi Freedom, I now help other vets get their financial needs met. Our team of professionals understands the special benefits under the law for veterans. We have over 20 years of VA home mortgage experience, including refis to VA loans at lower rates. On your feet! If you're a veteran in need of a mortgage or interested in a refi for cash out or lower payments, call 888-900-VA-LOAN now. Or go online to varadio.com. iFreedomDirect Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. Or call 800-900-VA-LOAN. varadio.com.